Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. Live from SEC Media Days 2023 here in Nashville as we're starting to get towards the end of things, at least on day three with only one more day left here in SEC Media Days 2023. We're starting to see the first signs of people completing their weeks, and we're excited to bring you another great show, though, today. Myself, you'll hear Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, Brant Daughtry, and you'll hear from Tom Peavy a little bit later. Of course, my name is Ryan Lavoie. I'm the proud host of this show. And we've got, again, a lot of great stuff for you today. Coming up in just a few minutes at 3.15, we're going to hear from Bill Hancock. That will be a live interview. The college football playoff director, of course, announced uh, a couple weeks ago that he will be retiring in the winter of 2025 i guess i should say winter into the spring of 2025 so bill hancock coming up at 315 at 430 today we will hear from brandon marcello that was a pre-recorded interview a couple of hours ago really appreciate brandon for joining us today so we'll catch up with brandon marcello 247 just after five o'clock today the king of college football we're going to have a live interview uh, with chuck oliver of course you can listen to his radio show weekdays from 11 a.m to 1 p.m on our sister station, 1230 WAUD. So we're here from Chuck Oliver just after 5 o'clock. And at 5.30 today, a pre-recorded interview with Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network. That was a fun chat that myself and Cam Berry had with Alyssa. So a couple pre-recorded interviews, a couple live interviews for you today. And again, Bill Hancock coming in uh, at 3.15 to join us here in just a few minutes. Again, for right now, it's myself, Brooks, Cam, and Brant. Brooks will only be on the first hour, so we'll start with you, Brooks. How are you doing this afternoon? Uh, I am doing great. It is, it's another beautiful day here in the, uh, the city of Nashville. Well, it did start out beautiful, but it, it's gotten, it, the sun started to come out behind us over the, over the city of Nashville, and so it's, uh, it, it's been fun. It's been Alabama Day, and we knew it from the, well, we knew it because it was on the schedule, but we knew it from the moment you walked. If you didn't know the schedule, when, as soon as you walked into the front doors of the Grand Hyatt here in Nashville, you knew it because the, there was more people standing outside or, or down in the lobby than, than any other day. Uh, you saw some, some folks dressed up in their, their regalia. And so it's, uh, it's a big day here at SEC Media Days. Nick Saban has been, uh, earlier was walking back and forth in front of us going to different uh, engagements around uh, media days. And, yeah, it's, it's been a very busy day. We've had a great day here. Uh, last night, myself, Ryan, Brant, we all were able to go over to First Horizon Park here in uh, Nashville, taking a Nashville Sounds baseball game. Uh, and it was it was fun. It was, it was really fun. We ate some, ate some good food. Um, some people ate better food than others uh, <laughs> yes, on the night. Yes, they did. Uh, Ryan was very happy with his uh, his food choice, and 
yeah, we we did, we had a fun time, and so uh, we're we're getting you know going through another day here. One more day left after today. One more broadcast from uh, Radio Row here in Nashville for the uh, for the 2023 SEC Media Days, and it's uh, it's been fun, and uh, we're going to continue to have some more fun and bring a lot of uh, great content to the to the listeners back at home. Brant Dontry also only on for the first hour today. Brant, I uh, appreciate everything you've been doing this week. How are you doing uh, this afternoon? Here, there we go. Testing. Yeah, okay, yeah, there, there we go. Yep. There he we go. Lives. I'm. I, I've been here the whole time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm having a great time, man. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to be here. Uh, the, the, like we, like you said, we've got so many interviews. We, we've done some. We've recorded some. We've been in press conferences. It's really overwhelming the amount of people that are here and all the people you can talk to and the great insight you can get. Uh, from all these personalities and players and coaches around the SEC. So uh, it's it's kind of been drinking from a fire hose for the past three days, and I assume tomorrow is going to be more of the same. And uh, as we continue, I'm just hoping that I can continue to, to drink properly and, you know, let, let's see where this thing takes us. Absolutely. Uh, Cam Barry also on the show today, his first full show of the week. Cam, how are you doing this afternoon? Just doing great. Enjoying another great day here in Nashville. Yeah, it looks like the sun's kind of starting to come out a little bit. Better late than never. Um, but yeah, I've had some great conversations with some people today. Um, just enjoying it, taking it all in. Had some, you know, I wasn't at the baseball game last night, but I was watching some baseball. I was watching the Braves a little bit. Um, obviously, they had a disappointing loss in the highest scoring game in the MLB so far this season. Uh, lost 16 to 13 to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, defense so is optional. Defense was extremely optional, except for Kevin Pillar. He did very well. Um, so yeah, I've been doing great, and, and went to the the Nashville Assembly Food Hall and enjoyed some Prince's hot chicken, which was oh, absolutely amazing. Would get again for sure. And, um, and so yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. Uh, I'm ready to to have a great day on Sports Call. Again, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have Bill Hancock, the director of the college football playoff with us. Uh, yeah, as uh, Brooks alluded to, myself, Brooks, and Brant went out to the National Sounds game last night. Uh, Cam and some buddies were able to have Prince's Hot Chicken. We had Hot or Not Chicken, uh, which has also mm. got Nashville Hot Option. Brant got the, the regular. I got the, the hot. And uh, we were both very satisfied with ours. That was some of the better ballpark food I've gotten. And that can sometimes happen with minor league places. They have a local specialty, that sort of thing. And so uh, that was uh, really good stuff. Let's start today real quickly before we take our first break and get to Bill Hancock. Again, it was Alabama Day today as, as well as Florida. Also hearing from Kentucky right now. And uh, also heard from Arkansas earlier today. Of course, Nick Saban, the big draw in Alabama today. Uh, we uh, we were able to hear some stuff from him. I know he was asked a question or two about Auburn, about Hugh Freeze and the Iron Bowl. Made some comments. Obviously, we kind of relate those to when uh, Hugh Freeze uh, mentioned just the other day about uh, the the situation where uh, he, while he was not employed, he was reaching out to some other SEC coaches and that sort of thing and. Uh, said he had probably given them too much, too much <laughs> stuff uh, as he was not employed by an SEC school at that time. And so uh, I, I think that that was uh, probably the genesis of why a, uh, a Hugh Freeze question came uh, Nick Saban's way and how he was going to do at Alabama. But uh, so, th- so that part of it was there. And obviously we've, uh, we've seen 
uh, at, at various times. I'm going to be mentioned in other ways. Uh, as uh, we will be joined here by, and I think we'll actually not take our first break. Actually, we will uh, we will keep it right here with uh, with Bill Hancock uh, as he's about to get set to, to join us here. Uh, so uh, let's uh, get that uh, set up real quick here, and uh, we'll go ahead and uh, welcome on to the program the director of the college football playoff, uh, Mr. Bill Hancock, now able to join us on Sports Call. Uh, Bill, it's uh, it's good to see you again here at SEC Media Days. First time in Nashville, but uh, we've been uh, honored to have you on here in years past too. How are things this week for you, Bill? Well, you're nice to have me on again, and I love your position here by the windows, yeah, except for during the storm yesterday. Yes, uh, so uh, that table right beside us, uh, our friends out of Mobile, that door opened up on them yesterday as the winds came through blew some stuff over had to get some hotel personnel in here to shut the door and everything so it was crazy it was it it was so it was uh it was a little more disruptive for our friends over there than it was for us but uh (laughs) blessed to have uh, some sunshine sunshine today uh so bill i mean when we talk about all things college football playoff Obviously, we start with uh, some of the news you made a couple weeks ago, announcing uh, that the, in February of 2025 will be uh, the end of your tenure. And you've had a tenure in college athletics dating well back before the college football playoff. And uh, as we reflect back on it with you a little bit, I mean, we'll talk playoff in a moment. But, I mean, you've been one of the, the most important people, really, in the NCAA uh, landscape of things for a long time. Just when you look back on things, uh, how – uh, how do you summarize everything that you've accomplished in the college landscape? Well, thank you. I've been lucky. I've just been lucky. I've had a great career and uh, working in college basketball first, and now this will be my 19th season in college football. We've all seen a lot of changes in our industry, and I've, I've been happy to be a part of it. Uh, and, and, Bill, when we're talking about uh, these uh, these changing times, obviously starting with the BCS, but then coming into this college football playoff. I want to ask you, because I know that from the outside pers- perspective, the fan perspective, there was always going to be a talk of when we'd go up to X amount of teams, this amount of teams. Now that we know we are going to 12 here in 2024, uh, what can you tell us about when those internal conversations started about what kind of adding to the four-team model whether it be six eight or what we ultimately got to 12 what was kind of that timeline for internal discussion about expanding that's a good question we got um our in our board meeting um, at the board meeting we had on the day of the championship game out in san jose two of our board members uh said it's time for you to look at a new format and uh for us to look at a new format so we began to work on it then, and that was, what, January of 99. And then we had a committee who, that did work on it and then came up with some recommendations, and then the world stopped in March of 2000, as we all remember. But that, it, it goes back to January of 99. And, um, Bill, so now that the, the playoff is expanding to 12 teams, um, those top four teams are going to be kind of getting a bye week or bye situation, and so those other games will be played in home stadiums. Uh, do you think that that might incentivize teams to kind of uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe whether to say lose games or stay, but to kind of stay in that range where they'd be more interested to play in their home turf um, rather than have that bye and play somewhere else? 
Yeah, there's no question about that. I, I think there's there's three or four entrance points into this, things that people are going to be striving for. Uh, the first one is, of course, to get in the playoff, which you will need to be one of the top six ranked conference champions or the next six at-large teams. So that will be the first one is to get in. The second one will be it will be uh, getting a home game in the first round, which will be that will go to teams ranked five through eight. And then, of course, the ultimate will be to get the bye, and those will go to the top four conference champions. So there will be a lot to play for, a lot of point a lot to point toward during November. November's going to be awesome. Right. I mean, it already Absolutely. is. Who, know, <laughs> who, who can argue with that? But it's really going to be awesome in the 12-team era. Yes, sir. Bill, we know we're going to 12 teams overall. Uh, what were some other playoff formats that got pitched, and what was the one that was just the most off the wall? <laughs> I'm laughing because we counted it up, and we had something like 63. Three formats <laughs> oh, on the table, and it was it was like all all variations of, of different ones: six teams, eight teams, twelve, sixteen. I think we even had one even more than sixteen. But we wound up kind of eliminating from the ends and and working toward the middle. Um, I can't remember. There were some goofy ones. If you have 63, you clearly have to have some goofy ones. But 12 came out to be, we kept coming back to 12 because we love the balance between the six conference champions and the six at-larges. We loved that we don't have any automatic qualification. That that's gone. We, we, have, we don't have that now, of course, with our four-team event. Um, and, and, and the the fact that conference championship games are going to be so meaningful. You know, we, we say we have a 12-team format. Well, we actually have more because the conference championship games will be the first round in, in essence. If, if you're one of those six conference champions, you're going to get in the tournament. So it's all good. It's all exciting. When we're thinking about those uh, automatic bids for the top uh, six highest ranked, conference championships i assume that was also one of the format things that that differed maybe it would have been five because we've all we've kind of in the media kind of self-proclaimed a a power five and a group of five well obviously six implies that there would be more than just five conferences representative uh so were there ever conversations or how many conversations were there at trying to lock down that automatic number and how many conferences would get that get one one place at least there, there was a fair amount of conversation about that and uh but there but we were determined from the start that no conference would qualify automatic but before the season before the season they're all going to be equal now people say well the group of five is not equal to the sec you can argue that, but the fact is there's just no automatic berths. And I'll tell you one thing that came up was when we were talking about eight and could we have six conference champions and two at-large teams. And I thought, no, we, we, have, we don't want to go backwards. We have four at-large teams now. They're all at-large teams. Well, why would we want to go back to two at-large teams? That didn't make any sense. So that one got off the table pretty quickly, and we just kept coming back to 12 as the right place to be. That's a good point, and Bill, as Cam kind of alluded to a little bit earlier, 
with this 12-team model for the first time we will we will see campus playoff games and I know that with great rivalries such as the Iron Bowl of course we're located in, in Auburn and uh, sometimes that becomes de facto because if you get in the SEC title game then you have a great shot making playoffs and that sort of thing but I mean w- what was that conversation like when we're talking uh, for the first time ever having what actual playoff games at these these home campuses you know all of our campuses have had great games y'all have had it at auburn Uh, michigan's had it they've all had tremendous games and in their history and meaningful games but i don't know that we'll ever have any more meaningful games than that first weekend uh just think about it for the first time ever you have a home playoff game um, for four teams. It, it, it's going to be terrific. One thing we are doing now is working through the details of those first round games. Hotels. Uh, some of our places are smaller and may not have hotel rooms for a, a team, a larger team, the kind that goes to a playoff game. So we have a lot of work to do on, on the details. Ticket, ticket availability for the visiting team. And by the way, we're thinking somewhere around the 3,500 ticket number. But every, every conference has different allocations for the visiting team. So we're going to have to uh, – we're going to set on one number that, that every school will know that when I go play at Auburn or when I go play at, I'll say, Ball State, uh, we know we're going to have 3,500 tickets-ish. We don't know the final number, but about that. We're talking to Bill Hancock today on Sports Call, the college football playoff executive director. A couple more for you, Bill, before we let you go. Uh, again, uh, talking about the timeline, this is the last year of the four teams, and we go to 12 teams. Uh, I know that inevitably people will always want more, but what kind of length are we talking about with, with kind of contract-wise? Because uh, to be fair, I mean, I, I don't know this. I, this could be uh, completely out of left field, but, like, it, would there be? possibility that you would see see it go to 12 and then say actually maybe 12 is too much like I, I don't know what would be on the table but uh, just in terms of number like how likely is it that this is the resting number for a long long time we, we have not talked much about the future although we know that starting in 2026 we will have a new contract new television contract and that will go I don't know six eight ten years and so I think we're all confident that we will have the 12-team event out that far. Uh, but we really haven't talked about how far to go. We, when, you know, obviously we settled on 12 years for the four-team event, and now we're going, we're going to stop that after 10. So it, it really remains to be seen about the future. Things are always apt to change in this ever-changing landscape. What have you made uh, about kind of this this landscape of college football where conferences continue to expand and obviously the SEC is going to welcome in Oklahoma and Texas in 2024? Uh, what kind of uncertainty has that brought kind of to the sport just in terms of conferences? I mean, some bell cows of some of these conferences changing to, to other, other big conferences. I think we're going to look back in 10 and 20 years and see – and say, oh boy, the mid-2020s were a real time of transition. Uh, Things will settle out, and I I think personally, I think 16 is about the most you can have in the conference in order to have keep your conference family, uh, decide a true champion. Uh, So I don't don't see the super conferences. I don't even know what that means. (laughs) Uh, We need need college football to be relevant all over the country. 
and I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the 12-team event with six champions will help us get there. Uh, and now that you know we were at 12 teams, everything's settled, everything's been fully decided, what's got you most excited about it? Oh, boy, that's, I like that. I like thinking about that. Probably <laughs> the campus games. Uh, it's never happened before. And there's going to be so much work for us to do, really fun kind of work as, as we move forward. We, we had lots of work to do when we started the CFP, and that was fun. And I think, I think getting ready for the 12, especially the campus games, will also be fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Bill Hancock today with us on Sports Call. Bill, uh, we really appreciate uh, you joining the program today. Appreciate all the work that you've done for this sport. Again, as we close our conversation today, I know you've got a couple more, a couple more years here. So, again, a lot of uh, kind of startup work here with the 12 team going forward for the next year, then kind of a transition period for you. Again, what are you looking forward to personally about uh, these next 24 months or so and getting all this hard work done? Just, just getting going and then seeing the results of it. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's what I'm most excited about. I, I do want to say this before I go. I love Auburn. The campus is so beautiful. The, the city is so beautiful. And uh, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed visiting Auburn, uh, dating back to my days with my friend David Housel. Well, hopefully, I have to get David Housel's name. Absolutely, he's a legend, and, and well, hopefully, in 2024, uh, maybe Auburn gets to host a campus game in the inaugural 12-team playoff, and that'd be a great reason to come back. Yeah, just remember the entry points: get in the playoff first, get a campus game, and then if you can, get a bye. That's what the teams are going to be playing for. Yes, Absolutely, sir. Bill Hancock joining us today on Sports Call. Bill, we certainly appreciate the time. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you for having me on. Take Thank care. You. We're going to take our first break of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abby award-winning sports call auburn Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Brent Daughtry, Cam Berry with you here. Coming to you live from SEC Media Days, the Grand Hyatt, Nashville, Tennessee. As uh, the second half of Media Days well past underway, honestly, at this point. I mean, we almost done with day three. The final team, I believe, Kentucky making the last rounds here. And then uh, after that, uh, on the day four with just three more teams. I was about to say, I've only seen Mark Stoops walk by once, so he's, he's still in the middle of his rotation. So uh, we're already getting uh, getting late early here uh, at SEC Media Days. And, again, appreciate Bill Hancock, the college football playoff executive director, for joining us there on the other side of that break. Again, if you miss any of our great interviews either today or earlier this week, uh, go back and check it out in the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola 
as uh, we always have uh, all of our podcasting stuff and our interviews posted on that feed. Again, you can listen to it in a, a bunch of different platforms, inclu- including the, of course, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff, uh, and, of course, our Tiger Communications app. We're going to go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm good in War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, do y'all think that Alabama would win another national championship game this year, or do you think it might go into uh, Georgia's favor of winning uh, their next uh, national championship for the third time this year? Yeah, I certainly think that Alabama and Georgia will be two of the main contenders for it, how it will shake out and how it will shake out in Atlanta, we don't ultimately know yet. But I do think that uh, at the end of the day, Alabama is going to be a part of that equation. They really need I, – I still think they need pretty good quarterback play to put themselves above Georgia with the way Georgia has played defense recently and that sort of thing. And so I, I really think that uh, Alabama, uh, while they will be in the mix, they will have to get something out of that, that, that quarterback room, which, of course, Nick Saban did talk a little bit about today. Yes, because I did hear um, what Nick Saban was talking about, that um, Alabama was going to actually win seven, seven and five. I think this year, I think Alabama will go seven and five this year. Yeah, I think they're going to be better than that. And uh, I mean, I think that they could lose a game or two. I think the LSU game will be a big deal in Bryant-Denny Stadium. The Texas game in Bryant-Denny Stadium uh, will be another one. Obviously, that was a close game last year. I feel better about Alabama playing Tennessee this year. Again, Alabama has a lot of their big home game or a lot of their big games at home this year. Uh, obviously, that was the the opposite last year. Of course, the Iron Bowl will be in Jordan Hare Stadium, so we'll see how that one goes. But I, I think Alabama still, as they always are, they're reliably at least a ten win team. Yeah, because I I was looking at their schedule and I was uh, trying to see what games that uh, Alabama will lose to. I know they're going to lose to LSU. I know they're going to lose to Texas this year and uh, Auburn this year for the Iron Bowl. So I think those three teams on their schedule, I think those will be the first three teams that they're going to lose on the road as well. Because I know those, the first two games are at home, so I know Texas is going to look like a good team this year. I don't even know who their new quarterback is. Uh, for Texas, I'm not quite sure if they have the same quarterback from last year, but I'm not quite sure. But I think Texas, I, I see great things coming out of the Texas Longhorns this year because I know they're still in the Big 12. So I think with with the uh, with their uh, you know switching over from the Big 12 to the SEC, I think Texas, I, I see great things coming out of Texas when they play against. Uh, Alabama uh, this coming up week in September. Yeah, so again, you know, Texas, they are playing Alabama this year, but remember, Texas will not be in the SEC until 2024, so still one more year in the Big 12. That Big 12 will be interesting when you're adding all the new teams to it this year. The, the teams entering the Big 12 have already entered the Big 12 for this year, but the teams exiting the Big 12 will not exit until 2024. So Texas will be playing again Alabama this year, but uh, they'll be in the SEC full-time in 2024. Yeah, because when when Texas actually plays against Alabama, I have Texas uh, favorite to beat Alabama. And then I'm seeing LSU 
getting a win on the road in Bryant Denton Stadium, and then when they play against Auburn at Jordan Hare Stadium, I know that's going to be, you know, that's just going to be up in the air. I think that's going to be a blowout with Auburn and uh, seeing what uh, Peyton Thornton is actually going to do for us this year as well. Yeah, Peyton Thorne, the transfer from Michigan State. Again, a lot of expectations and hopes will be uh, put on his shoulders, especially if he wins the starting job. And, uh, again, Auburn will probably be picked around the middle of the pack in the SEC. But uh, really excited to see uh, what Peyton Thorne, what obviously a Hugh Freeze team for the first time looks like at Auburn. Yes, as well, because I know we're having, like, a new, like, you know, um, a brand-new recruiting class that's coming in for 2024, uh, seeing a lot of these guys actually uh, coming to Auburn for the uh, Big Cat, uh, you know, uh, workout with uh, with one of our uh, former Auburn players, uh, Big Cat Harris. I know he's doing a lot, and I've seen a lot of commitments that are coming to Auburn in uh, 2024 as well. Yeah, Big Cat weekend coming up soon. Auburn will have a lot of different uh, high-profile recruits. Uh, does not actually have anything to do uh, with Big Cat Bryant, who uh, was at Auburn for a couple of years and then transferred to UCF for the end of his career. Big Cat weekend's been going on since the Gene Chizik days. But uh, excited to get a lot of great high school recruits in here, and Auburn certainly trying to land some of them. Yes, I saw because I know with 2024 right around the corner, I, I see Auburn actually – uh, making great changes and um, what what Hugh Freeze is actually doing uh, for the new recruits that are going to be coming in, and they're they're looking like some really good recruits that we might need this uh, next year in 2024 as well. Yeah, Auburn will need to to get some high profile guys at some point. They've been working on the depth part of it here in the in the off season. I think they've done a good job of getting just some some vastly different numbers in here. But I do think that at some point they will have to land couple five-star players, a couple really high-profile guys. And some of the guys they've gotten so far are, are pretty quality recruits for sure. So it's not like they're they're getting a bunch of uh, low three-star guys that, that, that are not getting great offer sheets and that sort of thing. They are doing pretty good on the recruiting trail. They just have to add some more numbers and add a couple of big-time guys. Yes, as well. And then I'm actually counting down the days to the opening uh, NFL kickoff season. And um, I'm actually going to see uh, what – uh, Aaron Rodgers is actually going to do and I'm hoping that he's going to improve and uh, seeing what the season is going to hold for the New York Jets. Yeah, you're you're fascinated by the Jets this uh, this offseason, James. You've been talking about the Jets almost every day. Yes, that's all because I'm actually seeing uh, a great team in the New York Jets and uh, seeing if they're going to make it this year to the Super Bowl and uh, maybe seeing my Dallas Cowboys actually playing against the New York Jets, and if that could happen in Las Vegas, I mean, that would be a really good ticket in in Las Vegas to actually bet on the Cowboys to actually win, but I'm just going to see how Dak Prescott actually, you know, what he's really going to do is he's not going to make any turnovers. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that this year, I think my Cowboys would do really good this year. And again, uh, importantly enough, you know that Jets Cowboys matchup is something that can actually happen in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, we'll see. I know Dallas will have a tough time with Philadelphia in the NFC East, and I know the Jets will have a loaded AFC East to contend with. But uh, yeah, certainly excited to see Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform. James Dax said that he's not going to throw ten interceptions this year. What do you do? You think that's possible? 
Um, well, actually, Dak, I'm not quite sure. I do follow uh, Dak Prescott on Twitter, so I'm going to probably say that is not possible for him. So I'm not quite sure if he's not going to turn any uh, turnovers uh, this year because I would put Dak Prescott on my fantasy roster this year. So I'm just going to see how things are going to do when we play week one out of the gate and um, and actually seeing a brand new improved Dak Prescott this year. Yeah, uh, it will be interesting to watch. Again, Dallas always a uh, interesting watch for the National Football League. We'll see how Dak Prescott plays in a big year this year. Do you have any final thoughts for us today, James, before we have to let you go? Um, well, the only final thoughts I'm actually having for today is I'm actually going to be uh, watching the uh, play-in tournament that's going to be uh, starting uh, sometime this coming up week and uh, seeing some of these uh, teams that are in the summer league and uh, seeing who's going to make it into the play on the play-in tournament that's going to be coming up in November and in December as well. Oh, gotcha. And uh, I thought you were talking about like the TBT tournament that's starting here really soon, but uh, you're referring to like the in-season tournament that uh, the NBA has created that's going to be in the first month or two of the year yeah it's gonna be really interesting to see that i don't know if it's going to catch a lot of uh, a lot of extra people's attention but it will be certainly something that uh, i'll be watching as a big nba fan and be we'll see what happens yes as well and i'll talk to y'all guys uh on tomorrow sounds good james hope you have a good rest of your day all right war eagle war eagle that is james from montgomery Joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're going to go ahead and take our next timeout of the show. Back with more of Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show right after this. Call is on the air weekdays from 3 until 6 p.m. If you are currently driving in a four-door sedan, roll up the windows and turn up the radio. We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. This is Philip Lolly, former Auburn Tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 National Championship team, and you are listening to Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, and Brand Daughtry. Again, Tom Peavy will hop on with us in the 4 o'clock hour. We'll say goodbye to uh, Brooks and Brant. Uh, let's go ahead and go to the Auburn Bank phone line, though. Uh, again, 334-887-341 locally. Toll-free, triple nine tiger 9 Next up. Ward Dam Steve. Retire Ward Dam Steve is with us. Steve, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for asking, and thanks for the time to give me uh, that you always uh, give me, guys. Uh, I've enjoyed your guest you've had on here. Just uh, listening to Mr. Hancock, and uh, you know, you know, it's uh, getting close to football season when you get this kind of a quote. He might wear a visor, but until he wins 11 out of 12 of the Florida Georgia game, I think we all know what it's really called. What's that? Uh, the Fort Georgia game. 
Uh, that's come from the old ball coach just for himself. He, he kicked off the, the, the football season with that kind of quote. You know what it's about, right? Is it about Hugh Freeze? Um, no, it's about Kirby Smart. Immediate day, calling ah. it the Georgia-Florida game. Okay. Yeah, he said, uh, according to a report, he was asked about the, the rivalry. He said, well, first off, he said, quote, you misspoke about the game, Kirby Smart told the reporter. It's the Georgia-Florida game, okay? So we want to clear that up. And that's what Furry uh, responded, really? Yeah, okay. Well, until you went 11 out of 12, I think it's called the Florida-Georgia game, Jeff. Uh, friendly banter so, there. Friend, friendly banter there. I, I love it. You know, Furrier, uh, he's a guy I love to hate. I mean, he, he's, he's always hit. Remember one of the famous quotes he had? You know, I always love it when we can play Georgia second game of the season because they usually have a few of their people that are suspended. Huh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, what you all guys hate? Uh, the podcast was really good. Uh, Mr. Luke Deal, what uh, a heck of a... Um, person and a football player. Did you happen to catch his uh, brief video of contacting Derek Brown on FaceTime? Uh, I don't think we saw that. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. Yeah, I, I think I saw, it on, I saw it on you social media. Yeah, yeah, I he did. Called, uh, they were asking who do you want to maybe um, you know, call on FaceTime. He said, yeah, they, well, they said I'm, who's the most famous person in his yeah, phone. Most famous, he says the only best person I've got my celebrity on call is uh, Derek Brown. He was on there. And Derek Brown said he's looking forward to uh, Auburn kicking ass uh, this uh, this uh, uh, this football season. So of course. Uh, that was good to hear him say that. All right, moving on, guys. How about I know you had the SEC officiator, um, Mr. Dave's that his name? I got his name now. John McDade. Yeah, McDade. Yeah. Well, apparently there is possibly some penalties coming down because so SEC officials are clarifying potential penalties for what the horn down gesture. Really? Um, so he addressed that. He said, well, you know, uh, McDade continued to say that the gator chomp and the land shark gestures will be judged in the same manner. Uh, if I remember correctly, who's our field goal kicker, guys? When, uh, remember, uh, when West Byron. We playing, yeah, West Byron. He did the gator chomp. Uh, yes. I don't remember a penalty being called on that one. Yeah, and John McDade was saying there would not be a penalty. Yeah. He was not yeah. saying that there would be. It would be like saying, a case-by-case case basis. He was saying the horns down is, is not really in the spirit of the rule in terms of an unsportsmanlike penalty unless they're doing it in someone's face. Like if it's just it, that he's liking it to when you do the land shark or, or whatever, uh, the, the gator chomp just in general to no one in particular, that's not a penalty. Okay, so if you do it like West Brown did to the, to the, uh, the fans, the crowd, that's okay. Should be, yes. It would be when you're doing it to another player or that sort of thing. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. You know we got the uh, World Cup, Women's World Cup uh, starting tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, USA versus Vietnam is on Friday. Okay. And uh, the odds makers are saying that uh, the U.S. is a favorite to make a possible never done before three-peat. But there's yep. a uh, uh, Ph.D. guy that I think I mentioned to you before. His name is Ed Fang. Anyway, uh, his his people say, watch out for Sweden. I know nothing about Sweden, but he says uh, they're a, uh, a team that um, might actually uh, surprise some people. You, you guys know anything about the women's soccer teams of Sweden, Germany? Yeah, not a clue, Steve. I, I really don't, don't follow it that closely. Okay. Moving on, guys. What happened yesterday 
Um, it's only been done twice, and that first time was done in, uh, a long, long time ago in 1884. I'm talking about baseball history being made yesterday or last night. You know what it is, right? Uh, um, oh, um, teams that scored 10 or more runs hadn't happened. It was like 11 teams that scored more than 10 runs in one night or one day. Exactly. Very good, Camp. And the Twins made it the 12th team to do that. Wow. And that ties, of, yeah. that ties the record, all-time record, which was done in May the 30th of 1884 for the most uh, yeah, uh, 10 or more runs. And what in the world? Some, uh, people are having, I guess, uh, a meltdown or, or fun with the uh, the Braves losing last night. Saying, "Are the Braves the new Falcons?" <laughs> nah, I mean I don't think. I mean, baseball's got so much. I mean, there's so many more games. You know, I think the All Star break they might be you know ever so slightly rusty, and the pitching is extremely injured. I think the Braves have like ten pitchers on the injured list, so. You know, they, they've got a whole lot going on um, in terms of injuries. I wouldn't liken them to the new Falcons, which I don't like that connotation because of my own personal reasons. But, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't connotate that to, to anything. Okay, well, people are having fun with it, apparently. But 16 and 13, yeah. I saw these outlandish scores. I mean, usually the baseball games have not been that many high-scoring runs. What happened last night, guys? you have any clue? Yeah, um, Bryce Elder just kind of, it seems like he's going through a little bit of a rough, rough patch. Um, he, he was, hitting, a, hitting a rookie wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he, he was, he's struggling a little bit for sure. So um, hopefully he'll be able to get right, you know, with everything he's got going on. And then just like I said, the bullpen's really injured. And Arizona has a pretty solid offense. I mean, they were connecting pretty well on, on I mean, just about, I mean, everything in all honesty. Um, and I mean, the Braves scored 13 runs and, and still lose. I mean, that's, you know, that, I mean, what more can you do at that point? So it's, it's really on just having, you know, not having enough quality arms, you know, um, and, and that's, I mean, that's really about it. Like I said, the Braves have like 10 pitchers on the injured list. Yeah, well, I guess it's also referring to my question. What happened to the entire Major League Baseball team yesterday? I mean, people are scoring runs at nauseam. I mean, yeah, just one of the, one, a freak freak day. Yeah, one of those days where every, every everyone was just getting hit and uh, runs were getting contagious. I mean, you said it All hadn't right. happened. Team scoring ten or more runs since eighteen eighty four. So, right. you, I mean, that goes to show just how rare that occurrence really was. Or, in the words of uh, Mr. Tom Peavy, it happens. It happens. It happens. All right, moving on, guys. This one almost knocked me out of my chair. Um, this comes from. The Bleacher Report, people. And do you happen to know what the Pirates have paid Paul Skins uh, to be on their team? I knew it was a record deal. Um, oh, it's a I record deal. Ten, okay. ten, ten or twelve million. I, I think I it was know. nine million. Pretty close. Uh, yeah. This run, he gets a record nine point two million contract nine. bonus. Yeah. That's not even a salary. That's a bonus. Right. Good lord. Um, yeah. What's the salary going to be, guys? Do you know? Again, it's it's a minor league salary, so I mean, it's 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 I don't know, hundred thousand dollars. I mean, it's not it's not going to be a lot in salary. Again, all that money that they get via the signing bonus that's that's the value of their contract. That's that's why sometimes they're so high. That's why the negotiation is always with 
uh, the, the signing bonus because the contracts in minor league ball are, are still very small. Yeah, well, the next biggest signing bonus was done in 2020 to a guy named Spencer Torkelson. I don't even know who he is. Is he still playing? Yeah, he uh, he made the, the big league team for the Detroit Tigers, and he's fine. I mean, he's nothing to write home about. And uh, educate me if I'm correct, but this is money that's guaranteed to him up front, no matter what happens to him, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't think Same I don't bonus. think the teams uh, have any clause in there. It's just it's it's a it's a due at signing. I mean, they may that they may spread will. it out a little bit, but yeah, it's a it's a bonus, so it's not really anything that's uh, incentivized or that sort of thing. Okay, moving on, guys. A little humor here. Did you know that there was a Granny Basketball Championship that was held in Iowa this past weekend? Definitely did not. Yeah, neither did I. But I caught that with Remy C. News, yep. Uh, it's been doing it since 2015. Uh, these are people who are uh, in the 60s above age. Uh, they have certain rules, though, that are different from typical basketball games. There's no running. Only hurrying is allowed. And there's no jumping. Oh, yeah. Man, that's, uh, that, sounds, that sounds pretty funny. Okay, I thought it was funny, too. Uh, this is... Something that's not funny. It comes from 247 Sports. It's for Ron Sanders. And it's about, it's entitled Staggering Number. Well, he's referring to Auburn has spent, hold on to your seats on this one if you're, sit, if you're not sitting down. Auburn spent over $53 million on buyout for the four previous coaches prior to freeze. Uh, are you surprised or shocked I was? Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, not really because we know the buyout figures for Gus Malzahn were very high. We know that Brian Harson was fired pretty early into a tenure. Uh, Chiswick had had a, a firing. I mean, yeah, Auburn's had to fire a few coaches, and especially with that Malzahn buyout was very high. Now, $52.3 million. Just to tell people they weren't good enough and they need to be gone. Unbelievable. Right. Okay. As, uh, James was on there earlier, wasn't he? Uh, yep, James from Montgomery yeah. was right before you. Yep. Well, he's a big uh, Cowboys fan, is he not? Yes, he is. A huge Cowboys fan. Okay, James, if you're listening, you're going to love this one. According to the Bleacher Report people, guess who they have is having the most wins this upcoming season in the NFL? Dallas? The Cowboys at 13-4. and four. Really? Yeah, I don't know if I buy that, but I that's interesting. Either. Interesting. Yeah. And they've also got two else, the Bills, the Bengals, and the 49ers, also at 13-4. and four. Yeah, those wow. other ones are way more reasonable. <laughs> I don't know why, why Dallas, uh, they're, they're high on Dallas this year. Um, but they don't have. No Chiefs. Surprised no by Chiefs. that. Uh, wow, well, surprised. No Eagles. They were left out. Yeah. What do you guys make of their predictions? Yeah, again, I don't know if I think uh, Dallas is going to be I don't buy up Dallas there. I, I think that uh, with for the most part, I think some of those other teams are valid, but you know maybe they're saying the AFC West is going to be really difficult. I don't know. I I think KC is always going to be around that 12, 13, 14 win number with with Mahomes, and then again Philadelphia. I I still think they're going to have another really good year in the NFC. So I think a couple of those could happen, but I also think there's going to be more than just two or three teams that end up uh, with real quickly. Wins. I don't like time to run out, guys. I'm not happy. Maybe you guys are okay with seeing some of these changes. Uh, for uh, football season, for college football. Uh, it just smacks me like it's going to be more and more like the NFL. You know, the NFL has no timeout during uh, when they make the first down. We used to have the time the clock was stopped. Now, no more of that, except 
win in the last two minutes of the of the first half or the second? How does that go now? Yeah, it's the last two minutes of the second and fourth quarter, so first and second half. It is important to note that the clock will continue to stop when it's out of bounds. Uh, and uh, even if it's first down or just out of bounds, what have you, it will be uh, stopped until they're ready for play. Well, I, I, I can't wait till that probably will be eliminated too, just like the NFL, right? I mean, it, it could be it could be eliminated at one point, but, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see. John McDade indicated they wanted to see how this worked first before they looked at any other changes. Well, what are your thoughts, guys? Are you, are you okay with this? Because I'm just – I said, wow, you know, uh, first downs are always traditionally – that's when the clock stops. And, uh, well, uh, well, what do you got? Do you think I'm just being too old, too? We'll, we'll have to get to our thoughts on that, Steve, on the other side of this timeout because we are up against the hour break. Okay. I, I obviously uh, talk too much. So this time, guys, my time is way up. Thanks for your time as always. Enjoy your show. Uh, you do, guys, an excellent job. Uh, let's do a podcast later on until tomorrow. For you, guys. Or you'll see, appreciate that phone call. Out of time for hour number one. Again, Brooks, thank you for being on this first hour. Brand, thank you for being on this first hour. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. We are out of time for hour number one. Stay tuned. Tom Peavy coming on the show here soon. And also got several more guests for you here on this Wednesday edition of Sports Call. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two of Sports Call starting right now, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy. Proud to be joined by Cam Berry and Tom Peavy here in this second hour of the show, live from Radio Row here in Nashville, SEC Media Days 2023. And now we're very thrilled to be joined by our good friend Ryan McGee of the SEC Network and ESPN. Ryan, the time is greatly appreciated. It's been a while since we got caught up. What's been good with you, man? Just uh, this has been great, man. It's been um, all due respect to Hoover and, and even like college. Atlanta. I love the College Football Hall of Fame. I, I right. could spend so much time there. But that was weird. That 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 that, been, that that layout wasn't the best for this. This has been great. Yeah. I mean, and Nashville Agreed. specializes in events. You know, there's <laughs> yes. a reason that the, all the, the NHL draft was just here for heaven's sake. So it's just it's been a great week. And I, I also feel Marty and I were talking about this. We've been doing our Marty McGee talking season interviews for our specials that are run next month. We talked to all the coaches, handful of players. But last year we had to, we all had to ask questions about NIL and transfer portal and. You know, conference expansion and all that stuff. And this year I feel like we're kind of back to talking about ball. Yeah. Certainly had to talk some of these other things, but talking about football and then also talking about, you know, just we can also ask some goofy questions again. You know, the last <laughs> couple of years I'd ask of COVID and all this other stuff. And so it's uh, it's been good. 
Well, but, now you said the venue. The venue has been great. I agree, but the fact that they're basically rebuilding the entire city of uh, yeah. Nashville out well, here guess, around us is kind of weird. And I didn't know the deal, honestly. So people think Marty's in Nashville all the time, right? Like because he's you know he's, he's he right. dates Eric's church and all that. Did you catch that? But he's here all the time, and he, and he loves it here, and they love him here. I'm never here. Like, right. I'm never in Nashville. I don't come to the SEC basketball tournament usually. Um, you know, I might come in and do some Vanderbilt baseball stuff, or, but, but I didn't know this was going on yeah. until I was here. But it sounded like they needed to do it. It sounded like the right. bridge was going to fall over. But, but, <laughs> but, yeah, it's been – Anybody needs an update on the bridge construction? Uh, it's been like a drive-in movie. My my window has just looked down on it, and, and, and they work all night. I tell you that four o'clock in the morning Jeez. last night, the guy had a jackhammer going. That's, oh, that's no, not ideal that's for the sleep ideal. cycle. Uh, and also, we know before we get into the, the big football discussions here, uh, we know that you're a big fan of minor league baseball. Yeah, uh, myself, Brooks, and Brant uh, were able to go to the I National Sounds game yeah. last night. I'm I'm so I have to. Our my problem is. Because it's an SEC function, and we're fortunate enough to have Marty McGee on the SEC network, we have, like, dinners every night. And so it's killing me because the team <laughs> is here. Like, I flew in on Sunday afternoon thinking I'm going to go over there for the kind of – they had to come a twilight game, and uh, I ended up having to go to the thing. But I might try to sneak over there for a couple of innings before I have to go to this dinner tonight. So don't tell anybody. Uh, I'm not going to tweet anything because I don't, I don't okay. want to – Lips are sealed. <laughs> Lips are but sealed. the ballpark's awesome. I mean, it's, it's it was yeah, and it, and it, I'm glad they have the. I went to an old old sounds game at Old Herschel Greer Stadium, and they had the the, the guitar scoreboard. So I'm glad oh, that yeah. I'm glad that's still alive over there. They do have that still. So talking to Ryan McGee here on this edition of Sports Call. So Ryan, let's get into Auburn a little bit. Yeah, obviously another change in administration here after just two years, less than two years of Brian Harson. Got Hugh Freeze back in the SEC, trying to create some momentum this off season. Uh, I know that record-wise, the last couple of years, well below Auburn's expectations. So given you have two straight rough years, but given you got a big recruiter and, and, and a motivator and that sort of thing, what's the proper level of expectation for the Tigers this year? If they – no one wants to hear this. If they were to win seven games and play in the Dukes-Mayo Bowl, take that right now. I'm serious it, it, because that's a step in the right direction. Um, and then and then you start worrying about trying to play in New Year's Day, whatever. And then you start trying to worry about doing But I, I think that Hugh Freeze is going to win football games. Uh, and, and history says, as you guys know, because I know you've done the research, I mean, I went up to Liberty and did a story on him uh, during two-a-days leading into the start of the first season. And all they did was win eight, nine games a year and go to bowl games. And win the bowl game in their first year in, in FCS or, or, or FBS. And so he's going to win. Um, I just don't think he's going to win 10 games a year for a couple of years because you guys know better than anybody. He's got a lot of work to do, and, and, he, and I don't care who you are. Now, the good news is in the transfer portal era, um, you know, you can – I mean, LSU, right. just won, I just watched them win the College World Series, and they wouldn't have done it without the transfer portal. And the women's basketball team won a national championship at LSU without the transfer portal. So you can turn it around pretty quickly, uh, but I still think there's, there's – uh, yeah – you, if you take a – you give me a winning percentage of 600 and a solid December 30th bowl game, you say thank you, college football Jesus, take that right now and, and just start working on 2024. And uh, Hugh Freeze also brought in Peyton Thorne from Michigan State yep. trying to try to kind of 
I guess, hemorrhage and, and help, you know, rebuild the team kind of yep. as a start. Um, he mentioned kind of in his, in his press conference that uh, there might be a package in there for Robbie Anderson as well. Do you think that could work with, yeah, with both sure. of them being together? Or, or no, 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 I think so, and I think you have to. You know, I, I, think, you, I think you're going to have to do that. And, and also, there's two things when you do that. You know, we, we all grew up in that era where, Steve Spurrier was the only coach who tried to use two quarterbacks and it never worked and whatever else. But, in, in, in again, in the transfer portal era, you have to serve two quarterbacks. You got the guy like LSU, right? Right. LSU has – Jaden decided to come back, which is great. But the problem is you got the number one quarterback recruit in the country now who's going to have to wait another year. The good news is they're really good friends, and they kind of have an agreement. Now, we'll see how that goes by the time That's the, the week's out. Right. But you have to kind of balance – you know, the old days you had you had the, you had the guy, the starter, and you had the heir apparent. Um, and but now we're living in the Arch Manning era, where where nobody's patient enough for that. And so if they can make the, so, there's two reasons to do it. Number one, uh, you have to do it, I think, just to try to find some sort of success. But number two, you're also yeah. keeping two dudes in the house, right? Right. Well, so now we we know that he can win some games, and he's got the transfer portal thing going right now, but. What we saw happen with LSU last year winning the West, obviously Alabama is still going to be yeah. Alabama. I mean, have some of these teams – well, and, and with what happened with Brian Harson with Auburn kind of taking steps back. Yeah. Hey, have those programs distanced themselves to where it's going to be even more difficult for him to catch back up? Um, I don't know. It's a great question because it, it's funny with Alabama. They're four points away from being in the playoff. You know, yeah. I mean, I was at that Tennessee game. And that was that was an incredible night. I thought it was important for college football, frankly, that the Tennessee-Alabama game became a big deal again. People yeah. forgot how great that night could be uh, because Alabama rolled. But but reality is they should have won the game. Right. And you know and, and, and I, I don't know if you know now we know Bryce was hurt and it, it, Bryce wasn't even practicing. So uh, you know, they probably win both those games. They win the LSU game probably if they've got everybody at 100. percent So they're fine. <laughs> Alabama's fine. You know, yeah. Nick Saban can't coach, and you know the game's passed him by. It's four points, right. and and so I think that uh, um, I, I think that the gap is closer than it was, um, as far as where's Alabama and where's everyone else. But I think that um, uh, and I also think that again you can make up ground faster than you used to, right? Because you can make big changes faster than you used to. So I think the gap is smaller. The problem is that is, I don't think it makes it any easier. Now, were you hanging from the goalposts in Knoxville that day? <laughs> so, all right. So we did the show. We did Marty McGee that morning, uh, and I, I stayed for the game. And I was working for ESPN.com. I still have my suit and tie on from from the work that morning. Uh, the game ended. I filed my story. And about an hour and a half after the game ended, uh, my editor sent me a text and said, okay, you're clear. All right, now I'm not working. So yeah. I was on the strip. I posted a selfie smoking a cigar in front of a picture of Johnny <laughs> nice. Majors and the whole thing. So, you know, I, my fan, I, you, you keep your fandom in check. I get all that. But, but that night was that, that, that was that was a great night. It was a long time coming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And right. even the Alabama people said they understood, so. <laughs> couple more here with Ryan McGee chatting with him on SEC uh, Media Days on Media Day uh, on Radio Row. Uh, Ryan, when we look at the SEC as a whole, we know changes are coming. Yep. We know 12 months away from Oklahoma and Texas. There's been some, some more chatter about that. But uh, what really became of this is now an eight-game versus nine-game debate. That's something that, to be fair, other conferences had already kind sure. of adapted to. Are you ready for the nine games to happen? Do you believe we'll get there kind of after the, the 2024 season? I'm all for whatever protects the rivalries. 
you know, th- this idea of LSU and Mississippi State not playing for the first time since the 30s, I hate that so much, right? And, and, and this, this idea of possibly having years where Tennessee and, and Alabama don't play on the third Saturday in October, I, I hate that. I mean, I, I just – you have to make sure you protect what got you there. You guys not covered NASCAR forever. What did NASCAR do to itself? Still recovering to this day. Brett Yormark, you know, Big 12 commissioner, was, was, was an executive at NASCAR in the 2000s. When you're making money – you can make really bad decisions that don't feel like bad decisions because you're still making money. And one day you wake up and your your core fan base that you thought would just stick around through whatever, they're gone. And so, you know, a, a change here or there that's necessary is understandable. But if you start taking away rivalries and now I got a 12-team playoff with a bye in the first round, which I hate so much. I want a divisible number. I, I, want, I want an 8 or 16. Because a bye feels like the NFL. And now i got a season that starts in August and ends. National championship game is going to be January the 21st. Yeah, it's long. This feels like the NFL, man. I don't want to watch the NFL. If I wanted to watch the NFL, I would watch the NFL. Right. I watch players. I pull for the Panthers because I live in Charlotte. But I love college football because it's college football. And if you start taking away bowl games and you start screwing with the schedule and now, now you know, spring ball starting – three weeks after the National Championship game is over with. What are we doing? I, th- yeah. that, that's what I worry about. And so, you know, that's a really long way of saying I don't care what they do with the schedule as long as someone smarter than me with a computer with a really big processor figures out how to protect the games that matter to people. Because if you lose sight of the games that actually matter to people, there's still people that will that when Texas Texas A&M comes back, there are people who are never going to go back to that game because they're still mad because they feel disrespected. Because they, those old guys with all that money just right. thought, well, we'll just take the game away. It won't matter. It does matter. It may, you know, it, that's why we love the game. So, that's a, again, long way of saying I don't care what they do with the schedule as long as the model protects the games that matter. And, and, and we, the Egg Bowl is not going anywhere. You know, but if we start screwing with cross-conference games, I hated 2020 because we didn't get Florida, Florida State. We didn't get Clemson, South Carolina. We didn't get, you know, those games mattered. And, and we missed them. And so just don't. Don't mess with that. And so speaking of the the 12-team playoff that you kind of briefly mentioned, I see how you feel about it now. Listen, (laughs) I'm all for the playoff. I just just don't – the great thing about college football is everybody has to play some number of games. Right. It's always been like that. Been like that forever. And and so – yeah, I, I get they earned it or whatever. Again, that's so pro sports, right, man. Right. You know do, what I mean? Right. Do you think teams will be more incentivized? I asked uh, Bill Hancock this question as well. Yeah. Do you think teams will be more incentivized to kind of get that five to eight spot where they can lock in and have that home team advantage, like get get back on their field? Or yeah, do you sure. Think I mean, be more yeah, it's, I mean, it's no different. It's no different than NFL. You, you play for a higher seed, right? right? Interesting. Okay. And again, so, we're yeah. talking about the NFL. I, right, I just, right. I just. Anytime my college football conversation starts into, well, you know, like in the NFL. No. no. I don't want that. Right. I right. do not want that. If I wanted that, I would watch the Jets and the Patriots. <laughs> I don't watch the Jets and the Patriots, you know. I watch the guys I covered, right? right? You know, I, I'm, I'm excited to have Bryce and Charlotte because I covered him, you know, one of my favorite athletes I ever covered. I, you know, I, I, I was excited to have Baker Mayfield in Charlotte because I've, I've lived Baker Mayfield's life, you right. know, when he was in Oklahoma. And so I just – I, but I just I don't I just I want I want my college football like college football and I want my my pro football. The reason we love 
you, you go to an NFL game and it's awesome and whatever else, but it's just it it's feels different. different. I don't want it to much feel like different. that. Right. I, I just because and it's always gonna. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. It's always gonna be 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 slanted toward the the power. I mean, you know, I'm so glad Coastal Carolina and San Diego State and whoever else can recruit on. We're gonna go to the playoff, but I also know they're gonna go to Tuscaloosa. You know, or, and you know, the first round are going to go to Gainesville, and the second round they're going to go to Tuscaloosa, or they're going to have to go to. All, I, you know what I'm saying? I, I just, I'm, I'm not naive enough to not know that, but I just don't. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I just, I just, absolutely. Yeah, I got, I got all worked up. There you go. Well, <laughs> last thing. Yeah, you taught NASCAR. Did yeah. you like the Chicago race? I liked it. I, I like the fact that they're willing to try something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I'm, I'm I was so I was so bummed for them that it rained, yeah. because it kind of it literally rained on their parade, but but it looked cool. And, and I thought the race, everybody tried to convince me it was a bad race. It wasn't a bad race. It was a street race. That, that's right. how, the IndyCar is going to race right here where we are in a, in a couple of weeks. And it's going to be great, but it's not going to be the Indy 500. It's just a different style of thing. So I'm just, I like the fact they're willing to try it. And right. they're going to do it again. But if it had been, a, I was at the, the All-Star Race in North Wilkesboro. If it had been a disaster, they wouldn't go back. But at least now they're willing to try stuff. Back in the day, they, would, they wouldn't even try anything. We, we, uh, we love it, Ryan. I know that uh, we, that's not the main subject matter for now, but. You know I could ask infinite amounts oh, of yeah. NASCAR Y'all call questions. me anytime, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Ryan McGee, Jordy. I promise I won't just rail on the play. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan McGee joining us today on Sports Call. Ryan, we appreciate you for coming on today. We hope you have a great rest of media days, and we look forward to talking to you down the line. All right, boys. Appreciate it. We're going to take our next time out of the show. Back with more Sports Call right after this. Don't want to call into the show? Send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at the tiger.fm. Now back to the multi time Abbey Award winning sports call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. And as you just heard, that was not on the agenda for today, but we're certainly glad it came up. Ryan McGee of ESPN, the SEC Network, was able to join us right there. Again, appreciate Ryan for, for jumping on. It's been a little bit of uh, time since we talked to him, yeah, and so. you just never know what's going to happen. That, that formulated a matter of moments. Well, yeah, he's we've, a cool we, dude, man. Yeah, we've had him on uh, the last two or three SEC media days, and so it was nice to get him back on the show. And, uh, yeah, we've had some conversations uh, on the phone with him uh, when it's not media days. And, yeah, he's always a great guy to have on. Absolutely. And, again, uh, a, lot of, a lot of topics to talk about, certainly in the SEC, and uh, evoke some passion there with the playoff and that sort of thing. And we've had callers talk about what's separating college and pro football. Certainly format-wise, there are starting to be more linkage. But, uh, you know, I, I'd still always talk about the, the pageantry of the sports, still the traditions and the – uh, the collegiate element to it, the student-athlete element to it. But but certainly in some of the procedures and way we're doing things, they certainly more resemble uh, the NFL than ever before. All right, before we go to our next break, again, coming up in just a few minutes, we'll have Brandon Marcello on of 247 Sports, a pre-recorded interview. So uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. But let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. 
All right, birthdays in sports today. Just now realizing that uh, I have no information in front of me, uh, but Cam is, is going to read them off today as Cam has been uh, hard at work with the bios and that sort of thing this week. Uh, uh, again, just completely ill-prepared. I was just, again, so caught off guard. We, uh, we had a riot on. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, here's, uh, here's, here's Cam Barry. Turning 38 today, LaMarcus Aldridge, former NBA power forward and center, selected second overall in the 2006 NBA draft by the Chicago Bulls out of Texas, who was traded on draft night to the Portland Trailblazers. Also played for the San Antonio Spurs, excuse me, and the Brooklyn Nets. Seven-time NBA All-Star, two-time All-NBA second team, three-time All-NBA third team, 2007 NBA All-Rookie first team, at Texas, Aldridge was 2006 NABC third team All-American, 2006 first team All-Big 12, 2006 Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, uh, 2006 Big 12 All-Defensive Team, 2004 Parade second team All-American. Out of Segoville High School in Dallas, Texas, go Dragons. Doubt. Uh, well, the, the Sego you said? Segoville. Segoville. Segoville High School Dragons. Interesting. I was thinking Dallas Dragons at first, which is not exactly <laughs> how that works. Da- it's in Dallas. Yeah. But no. Turning 35 today, Trent Williams, current offensive tackle for the San Francisco 49ers, selected fourth overall in the 2010 NFL Draft by the Washington Redskins out of Oklahoma. Boomer Center. Two-time first-team All-Pro, 2015 second-team All-Pro, 10-time Pro Bowler, named as one of the Washington Commanders, now named Commanders, 90, 90 greatest players. At Oklahoma, Williams was 2009 Consensus All-American and two-time first-team All-Big 12. He's a monster. He That's all I have to say about it. And he's, he's a, a monster out of Longview, Texas. Monster. Longview High School. Go Lobos. Ah, Longview Lobos. Longview like Lobos. Yeah, that's not bad at all. Turning 55 today, Leroy Butler, Leroy Butler, excuse me, former strong safety for the Green Bay Packers, selected 48th overall in the 1990 NFL Draft by the Packers out of Florida State. Whoa. whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the brave cert. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Super Bowl 31 champion, four-time first-team All-Pro, four-time Pro Bowler, member of NFL 1990s All-Decade Team, and he's the member. He's a member of the. Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's from Jacksonville, Florida, and he went to Robert E. Lee High School. That was the name of the school at the time that he went to. Uh, it changed to Riverside High in 2021, but either way, go Generals. And lastly, not 100% sure how old he's turning, but Janai Broom's birthday is today. Forward for the um, Auburn Tigers, um, he is. Just, I mean, he's our junior center. He's junior forward center, doing very well right now. Hopefully, he will be, um, you know, he's staying with us and returning. And he's uh, was 2022, 2023 all the, SEC second team. Went into the NBA draft combine, got uh, some pretty good results, but ultimately came back uh, to Auburn. He's going to be a key piece on the team this year. Oh yeah, he's he's gonna he's gonna do big things for him. So uh, has some high expectations for Janai Broom going into this year. Excited to have him. And so those are the birthdays in sports today. Again, uh, a good list right there as uh, we have a, uh, another set of birthdays. Yesterday we didn't even get to uh, birthdays, so at least we did a little bit better today. That's how, how I'll mention Tory Hunter at the end of the show. Sure. 
Sure. So uh, I, had to, I had to get that zebra's mascot in. That is true. Uh, we always do the, the high school research and uh, both sides of things. We're going to go ahead and take our next time out of the hour on the other side of this break. We're going to have that pre-recorded interview with Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports, again talking all things Auburn and the Southeastern Conference. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call Live from Radio Row on Tiger 95.9. call crew wants to hear from you give us a phone call at 334-887-3401 now back to auburn's first and auburn's favorite sports talk show sports call Tiger 95.9 from SEC Media Days 2023 in Nashville. Ryan LaVoy and Brooks Childress with you here. And now we're pleased to be joined by Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports. Brandon, the time is greatly appreciated. How have things been for you this week? You're great. I'm starting to get worn down here on the on the Wednesday. It's uh, the third day. Usually you start to get well worn down and then... Uh, then everything ends like suddenly on Thursday. It's like mid afternoon, or not mid afternoon, and you're already leaving. It's weird. Uh, have you ever had the temptation to? And I know that you have other responsibilities now, being uh, a national reporter. But have you ever been tempted to be one of the last ones standing at Feinbaum on Thursday <laughs> afternoon? Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, I'm a I'm a grinder, so yeah. You know what? If he's going to do it again, maybe i just skip Pac-12 Media Day and I'll just stay here and win that contest again. Yeah, we heard there's no TV deal to be announced, so they're going to announce. I don't know that they're still working on it. I don't know. Anyway, let's I'm get going for Dion. That's what I'm going for. That's fair. That's fair. I want to see Dion. Uh, and, of course, Auburn had a head coaching search, which, of course, amongst fans, Dion Sanders was mentioned a few times, but ultimately going the Hugh Freeze route. Uh, so what did you think of that hire and in just the last seven months or so trying to build momentum leading up to the season? I, I think it was a great hire. You know, when it was all we were talking about and reporting on it, I mean, Lane, Lane Kiffin was going to be the guy. They wanted him, but Hugh Freeze was obviously uh, up there as well, and, and they got him. Um, I think either of them would have been great hires, and Hugh Freeze completely understands the dynamic, the culture of Auburn. He also understands what it takes to recruit in the SEC and get those type of players. And I'll say this, they, they absolutely killed it in the transfer portal when he got there and continues to kill it. And what I'm really excited to see from the outside looking in is what they're doing recruiting-wise for 2024 and 2025 with high school kids. They have been getting after it from what I've been told. And you look at the rankings and everything's like, well, you don't see Auburn in the top ten or whatever. Well, that's that's coming in the recruiting rankings for them here in the next, like, six months or so, I believe. They're making a lot of great inroads. And, um, you know, listen, uh, Auburn fans, you're, you're going to want to see them win this year, and I think they will get to a bowl game. I think they're going to win six games this year. They are better than they were last year. Uh, but the issue is is that most of the teams in the SEC this season are better than they were last year, too, other than Georgia. When you look at uh, Hugh Freeze, what were your thoughts on uh, his performance back at Media Days yesterday? 
I listen. I it was very much kind of what I've expected from him. Of you know, listen, we're trying to build this thing, and um, I do feel like we've gotten better since I've been there. And um, you know, uh, very much kind of uh, status quo as much as you could can expect from Hugh Freeze and the way he goes about doing his job. It you know it, it reminded me a little bit about you know his first media days uh, when he was at Ole Miss, um, kind of downplaying. Uh, any like expectations in that first season though I think here he was a little bit more was embracing it by just straight up saying we've gotten better um, but what does that actually you know include and he, he said like, I don't know what my team's going to be look like I don't know what's going to be like when we're out there on the practice field and um, you know in this day and age in the transfer portal and you had to bring in a lot of guys like that there's not a lot of programs out there that can say, hey, I know what the identity of my team is even after the first week of preseason camp because there's just so many new pieces. And then Auburn, one of those new pieces they did add was Peyton Thorne out of Michigan yeah. State. There had been a long process of trying to, to trying to find someone in the portal that Auburn really wanted to go after after Robbie Ashford had a less than stellar, at least passing season last year. I know yeah. he made some plays with his legs. But what do you think of that quarterback battle? Is it Peyton Thorne's to lose? And, and, and how much does he change what, what Auburn's trying to do this year? I think it is Peyton Thorne's job to lose. Um, I watched him play once in person, the Peyton Thorne, and it was uh, – 2021 against uh, Michigan, and uh, he obviously had a Heisman-worthy running back for him, and they had to come back in that game and win, and Peyton was very even-keeled in that game when they were having to battle back the way they did. Had some great touch on the ball. I don't think he gets enough credit for that, um, and obviously had some really great connections with the receivers there because you know one of the guys there he known since middle school, but now he goes into this dynamic where he's kind of, he's kind of the veteran NFL free agent that came in and now you're in there and you're being told hey you got to win over this team immediately and prove yourself to them but you also need to elevate the play of everybody else around you and I'm not sure Peyton Thorne's been asked really to do that previously at Michigan State uh, you need to make these guys better by performing the way we expect you to perform so uh, we'll see how that goes here in August but I think it's an obvious upgrade for them at quarterback. One more Auburn question for you before we kind of branch it out to the rest of the league. When we look at kind of the style of wide receiver that Hugh Freeze likes, dating back to his time at Ole Miss, these bigger-bodied guys, as opposed to someone like Gus Malzahn, who had the occasional bigger guy but loved a lot of slot guys, loved the bubble screen stuff. I know Hugh Freeze will do a little bit of everything, but they brought in a lot of different wide receivers. What Do you have a preference in style of wide receiver that you think works best in this league? Again, Auburn going with yeah. the much bigger type of guy. I like the bigger guys in this day and age the last two, three years because, I mean, uh, listen, you cannot teach height. You cannot teach athleticism. You can't teach a DB to out-jump someone who is, you know, six inches taller than you and has a – yeah, so – uh, you got to have a good mix of them, obviously. You can't be playing like a six foot eight guy in the slot and also on the outside. I mean, you could, but why not? But you got to have a good mix there. You got to have some speedy guys. And, um, uh, you know, like you said, look at Ole Miss, man. He had some absolute superstars there. And um, it's a matter of time before he gets the same thing there at Auburn. 
Let's look at some of the teams that are going to be occupying the same part of the standard with Auburn. The Texas A&M's, Arkansas's of the world this year. A lot of fluctuation in results out of especially Texas A&M the last couple of years. Uh, Arkansas needing another year in what will be K.J. Jefferson's last year. Even Ole Miss, who has a, a fascinating quarterback battle. Yeah. Uh, how do you kind of sort through these teams somewhere in these, you know, the three to six range in the SEC West? To me, it's going to be who has the better quarterback, um, and I don't know who will. Or, you know, I think a lot of people are assuming that like a KJ Jefferson, who is a veteran guy, is maybe that person in that mix. But to me, the issue for him is that he is going into a new offense now under Dan Enos. The, the verbiage is just so much more uh, complex. He's being asked now to do more things pre-snap. You know, Kendall Browse at Arkansas is very much like, let's run to a piece of grass, throw the ball, get back to that piece of grass, and keep going. Danny Eno's offense is very pro-style. They're going to be going under center more. He's being asked to do more pre-snap and read. Even just in the huddle, he's calling out the long play in the huddle. He wasn't do that, Kendall Bryles. So, um, I and also I just don't think because of that style of offense, he's not going to be able to probably put up the type of numbers you've seen in the past. So, I say all that to say this: a guy like KJ Jefferson, who a lot of us just assume is maybe one of the top four or five quarterbacks in the SEC, maybe his production isn't what quite what it's going to be, and he doesn't lift Arkansas to above that the, the middle of the fold there. Um, and then you know. Uh, my goodness, I, to me, I think LSU has got a slight edge over Alabama right now as the best team in the SEC West, um, and it's because of the quarterback situation. And Will Rogers at Mississippi State, I, I think he's in for a big year. Um, and so I'm talking my way through this. Uh, to me, I, I think Will Rogers at Mississippi State is the better quarterback out of those guys right now. Is going to have the better year, and that's going to put Mississippi State in a position to um, kind of, not kind of, but outperform expectations. I think they're going to be voted sixth or seventh in the SEC West this this year. But they got a lot of returning pieces, and they're going to run the ball a little bit more effectively this year. And Will Rogers has already set. 29 school records at Mississippi State where Dak Prescott was just a quarterback less than a decade ago. So uh, I kind of like Mississippi State to surprise some folks. And, and you know, when you look at the rest of the, when you look at the conference, when you look at the East, does does Tennessee, with, with what's going on at Georgia, the quarterback position, does Tennessee have a chance here to, to maybe sneak up and grab the East from Georgia, or is it still theirs to lose? I, I think it's Georgia. Um, there's a little bit of a gap between Georgia and the second team. I do think that second team is Tennessee. Um because Heupel's offense is designed as such that, not to say it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, and Joe Milton's a really great quarterback, but people keep trying to criticize Joe Milton as a guy that's not as accurate downfield or whatever. He's got a huge arm. We've all seen the videos him throwing at 80, 90 yards. But he doesn't necessarily have to be deadly accurate for them to score points because Heupel's offense and the way they design it is they're just they're getting guys wide open. They're scheming guys open, and he's just kind of got to throw in the neighborhood. Um, and I think Tennessee is going to score a lot of points again this year, and that's going to make them competitive against every SEC team and every other team on their schedule other than maybe Georgia because I don't think they can compete in the trenches with Georgia as we saw last year. A couple more for Brandon Marcello. Talking to him here on Wednesday of SEC Media Days, Brandon Marcello, 247 Sports. Brandon, I think that when we talk about this league, we're all, obviously we're focused on the 2023 element, but – 
The Oklahoma and Texas Elephants coming in in 2024, they change a lot of dynamics about this league. And with the spring meetings in Destin last month, a lot going into it in the spring. There was momentum for nine. We got to Destin, and some teams were like, "Wait a minute, uh, let's go to let's let's keep it uh, keep it at eight for another year." Where do you stand on, on what ultimately the league should do and what they will end up doing once they see kind of the 2024 dynamic? Yeah, I mean, personally, I think they should go to nine games. I think ultimately they will go to nine games here in the next couple few years. Um, they just need to work out the details with that and well any fears that some of those schools might have or maybe make some uh, adjustments to, 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 to make them feel comfortable with it. But I think nine games is is coming. It just makes sense from a television inventory standpoint. Also makes sense from matchups and what they're wanting to do. Um, and then also because you got, as you mentioned, OU and Texas coming in, <clears throat> them playing a neutral site game every year uh, game, uh, they're going to want maybe potentially another SEC game on their schedule anyway so they can help themselves out their home schedule. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I think a nine-game schedule is coming. I was surprised we did not get it this spring. About, uh, say, about a week, a week or two before spring meetings, uh, people I was talking to started saying, it looks like we're getting, going to stick with eight. And I said, are, are you kidding me? <laughs> I was like, I, I mean, I want nine myself, but I was like, are you kidding me? How has this been a year and there's been no progress made on this? And the feeling was is that progress was being made, and then there was a little bit of push, and then a couple more voices came up, and that was enough to, to stall things for another year or two. If they do go to nine, assuming it happens here in a couple of years, I know Commissioner Sankey mentioned on Monday there's also the consideration of non-conference opponents, some teams filling out a bunch of those for, for several years to come. And we have some wild deals where some schools have even scheduled a big non-conference game in the 2030s, even though who knows what will happen by then. Yeah. Well, what kind of non-conference requirements should there or could there be if there is nine? Would, would we still see a Power 5 opponent for all these teams, or would the league kind of relax their policy? there that's a great question i think it's possible they will relax the policy uh, uh though there really hasn't been any movement made there i also think that the sec in a lot of ways they wish they could uh you know uh, fast forward in time and see what the 12 team playoff looks like after the first two or three years and whether playing an actual extra power five team your non-conference is going to hurt or help you uh the numbers really kind of show if it bears it out that you you know, listen you can go schedule FCS teams or whatever, and it's probably not going to hurt you if an SEC team. But just from the standpoint of you're wanting fans to show up to games these days, and we're seeing that the, the attendance is kind of declining big time when they play. You play an FCS team or a non-conference team that's uh, a group of five or middle pack group of five. Uh, administrators don't want to see those games anymore. Um, and the fans in particular, if they want to go to the game, they don't want to go to that game. They'll watch it on TV, but they won't go to the game. And they want to keep those fans in the stands. And uh, I, so I think that, uh, to me, that they have to stick with that Power 5 requirement in the non-conference. Brandon Marcello joining us today on Sports Call. Brandon, the time's been greatly appreciated. Yeah. Uh, plug real quickly here what you got on 247 throughout this week. Uh, stuff. Stuff. No, Great yeah, stuff. SEC, <laughs> SEC Media Day stuff going out to Pac-12 uh, later this week and uh, where they still don't have a TV deal, goodness gracious. And uh, I got a story of, uh, talking to Greg Sankey. I guess I should promote that maybe. Uh, of Greg Sankey talking about conference expansion and uh, why – why going beyond 16 teams maybe just doesn't make any sense 
um, from a logistical standpoint. Some interesting conversation we had. Absolutely. Brandon, we appreciate the time today. We wish you well as you go out go out west for the Pac-12, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again later this fall. All right, see you guys. As Brandon Marcello joining us today on Sports Call. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. This is Andy Burcham, voice of the Auburn Tigers, and you're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan Lavoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here today. Our guy, T.P. Hammock, running the board, taking your phone calls this afternoon back inside our Tiger Communications studios. Again, uh, appreciate the chat with Brandon Marcello of 247 Sports there on the other side of that timeout. Brandon uh, with, again, more uh, things to say about uh, Auburn's Hugh Freeze and about uh, the Tigers as kind of the sentiment that we've continued to get. And, again, this has not been surprising uh, as we, we talked about this in the days leading up to the SEC media days. But, again, the sentiment, as you heard from Brian and from Brandon, again, is just it, it, this is a battle towards competitiveness for, for Auburn this year. It's not going to be a, uh, a championship type of team. Uh, however, you know, where how far out in front of things can they get with year one, that is to be determined. And there, of course, are a lot of things in the, in the league uh, amongst these teams that are going to be kind of in the same realm as Auburn, the Texas A&M's, the Arkansas's of the world that we've been talking about. I know uh, Brandon talked a little bit about uh, Will Rogers to Mississippi State, which is uh, even a, a fascinating dynamic just because uh, Mississippi State is going to be picked as we've talked about sixth or seventh in the league, yet they might have one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC. And so uh, just some really interesting things, and again, that's why uh, we're we're getting excited as we get about uh, a month and really just a week or two away from the football season. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I mean the competitiveness—that's you've got to you got to with Auburn right now. You need to start seeing that progress forward because man, under Brian Harson, it, it was sliding backwards fast. I, I mean, at an epic pace, falling backwards. So. You've got to see that forward progress um, and, yeah, just show that you can be a competitive team where in the last couple of years it just felt like they weren't. So uh, he, he's on the right track, though, I feel. I mean, with the with the recruiting that he's been doing and the transfer portal, uh, and obviously the transfer portal being a big thing, and that was one thing that Ryan McGee was talking about when we had him on the show with us. Uh, you know, that transfer portal can make things happen a little bit quicker for you uh, in a positive way than, than uh, you know, just solely relying on recruiting classes that are going to take two or three years to see the impact of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it kind of seems like, you know, I, well, not seems like it really is that Brian Kelly set the blueprint for how to really use the transfer portal in your favor, make it successful, and build a successful program that you can at least in your first year use um, to to then you know continue to um, build upon. I mean LSU is the favorite this year. I, um, 
you know, out of the SEC West. And even though this will be the last year that we have divisions, it's 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 crazy to see that they that they're favored in that way when when you know you never would have thought that they were going to be that decent last year. So it's definitely something to look, uh, to to think upon, to look upon, to see if Hugh Freeze will be able to build a team that maybe will surprise some people. Um, you know, Ryan uh, Ryan McGee was right. You know, he's going to win some football games, um, and and that that's going to come just with time and, and all you want to see is this some competitive nature with this Auburn football team um, and and to build upon it improving year to year that's always the big thing um, I think in just two years that's really where we're going to see whether or not um, he's going to be the future at Auburn um, you know that three year window really just isn't there anymore it's just so much shorter so we're going to have to see that improvement in two years or we could be talking about maybe another coaching change if it's really not showing any type of improvement but i do have faith that hugh freeze is going to be able to build a successful program uh recruit well and do all the sorts of that so um i i have faith in him i think when we're looking at uh some of the the, the teams again around auburn it, it's just always so difficult it's never cut and dry if it was, we wouldn't be we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be kind of breaking it down. We wouldn't end up playing these games. But the the volatility between what Texas A and M could be, uh, what a team like Arkansas could end up being, even Ole Miss to a degree, who will come here tomorrow. Uh, there's just a wide range of outcomes for some of these teams. We want to talk briefly about uh, someone else that that came through today. Again, that Arkansas Razorbacks uh, with Sam Pittman had a funny comment about so he was asked about a certain kind of beer that he drinks and he says well I, I i like it but i don't like all the burping afterwards right oh uh, my gosh can relate <laughs> oh can relate so uh sam always funny as, as ever such a good fit for that program that's Agreed. a big year for them coming up with again a third year of kj jefferson uh we were having a conversation uh one of our conversations this week uh, has been about uh, K.J. Jefferson a little bit and the style of play that they're going to have and uh, changing offensive coordinators. And I, I think that with K.J. Jefferson, you, you are going to really rely on him if you are an Arkansas fan, if you think the Razorbacks are going to have a big year. But the good news is, even with a change of style to some degree, uh, Rocket Sanders in that backfield is another guy that Arkansas took with them here to media days Rocket. this year. He is going to be one of the best running backs in the SEC. They feel like offensively, kind of no matter how they end up doing it, they're going to have a good offense this year. It is going to be those defensive numbers again. And when we break down Arkansas, when we do all these team previews here in a few weeks leading up to the season, you know, I, the, the defensive numbers will have to improve. They were in uh, – they had some moments okay, that were okay, as every team does. But for the most part, you know, the, I, I think they're going to be a pretty, pretty darn good offensive team. But they're going to be a team that needs some stops. They're going to be a team that, uh, that really has to – uh, improve incrementally defensively. It's not like they're going to have to just – they're not going to just have to, at the end of the day, be a top 10 or top 15, top 20 defense, that sort of thing. But what they are going to have to do uh, is, again, make those improvements, improve 20, 30 places uh, in the country rather than, you know, 50, 60 type of deal. And uh, I, I think that would be a big key to Arkansas' success. Unfortunately, they just don't have 
uh, a lot of big key defensive players right. coming back. We are out of time here for hour number two, but still ahead. Much more on the way coming up to lead off hour number three. We're going to have Chuck Oliver, the King of College Football. He'll join us live here from Radio Row, SEC Media Days 2023. And a little bit later, our pre-recorded interview with Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network. The Wednesday edition of Sports Call continues after this timeout. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today I've got Cam Barry and Tom Peavy with me as we are live from SEC Media Days 2023 Radio Row here in Nashville, Tennessee. And we are now pleased to be joined by Chuck Oliver, the host of the Chuck Oliver Show. Of course, you can listen to that show on our sister station, 1230 WAUD from 11 to 1 p.m. each and every day. Chuck, the king of college football. We had Tony Barnhart on earlier in the week, Mr. College Football. Now we've got the king of college football. How do we get one of these uh, impressive titles? Uh, you got to have the right program director, actually. Uh, colleagues, good to be with you all again. Um, but, uh, yeah, that actually goes back to 2002, literally, my, actually my second ever media days, uh, we were heading over to Hoover, and my media, I mean my uh, program director at the time, a guy named Rob Weingarten, who, boy, he knew radio, he said, all right, you know more than anybody, I was like, I that to be true, he's like, we're going to call you the king of college football, literally, as he's saying the words, I was saying, let's do anything other than that, <laughs> like in the deep south, you don't want to do that, and he was like, I bet you can pull it off, and I was like, oh boy. So uh, for whatever reason, they just uh, they started calling me that, and that's what we do. So oh, and here we are now again a couple of decades later, and it's just getting bigger and better, man. Absolutely. And now we're starting to move all over the place with, uh, with Media Days and uh, taking your show everywhere and that sort of thing. But, Chuck, when we look at uh, the Auburn side of things as we get into 2023 and we look at uh, Hugh Freeze's uh, arrival to the Plains, obviously a guy that's had a, a troubled pass but works his way back up the ladder here to the SEC. What have you made about the offseason that Auburn's had, the momentum they've tried to gain? Can we get like uh, go back a year ago in the feel around the Auburn program at media days my gosh and the thing is I kept telling people I was like Brian Harson, I promise you the plays work all right he's a good coach I promise you and he got up at media days and about 30 seconds in he said and I got attacked and I won and I was like it's over um, <laughs> like whoever was the last folks in his corner I was like man you just you know it, it was done at that point 
Um, and so it was just a really, really tough feel for a program that it's always been more about the family, the feel, the environment, the whatever. Um, and you just really didn't have that. And it's funny, one year later, and you're right about, I mean, everybody's got a past. Um, some people got skeletons in the closet. Maybe you got a graveyard. Uh, but whatever, I've always been about second. But Mike Vick, Joe Mixon, whomever, I'm like, it's a hard world if we don't have second chances. Whatever, put that aside. The feeling around the Auburn program right now, there is so much optimism, and it's well-placed as well. I think any program, when you've had a down time and then you change coaches, there's a reason that you're to be excited about the new guy, the new staff. It's even more so than, well, it's just changed, so it might be better. I mean, Hugh Freeze, could you be more about what college football is in 2023 than I recruit well and I'm really good with quarterbacks? Like, those are the first two things I want to check, and Hugh Freeze all about it. So, Auburn fans, there's got to be such a better feel around the program right now. And then, uh, Chuck, when we're talking about what they actually did bring in and we're talking about a quarterback in Peyton Thorne, two years of starting experience at Michigan State, we saw the passing game non-existent in Auburn last year with Robbie Ashford. Yes, there were great plays on the ground. First, I I assume that Peyton Thorne is going to be the guy that wins this job. But secondly, if he is, is there still a role for Robbie Ashford in package situation? Like, do you like to play a second quarterback if they're so vastly different? Are you very much so it doesn't matter? if that other guy can run or not you got to keep it to one well Hugh Freeze the thing I like about him and I'm going to jump out of my media role I'm going to be like my Auburn alum now um, the thing I like about um, uh, Hugh Freeze in this role is he's kind of like a boxer he doesn't care what he looks like he just wants to either get to the end of the round or get through the fight and get the dub you know there's something about I'll lay on the ropes or I'll just sprint across the ring or whatever I thought it was pretty clear in his comments yesterday um, he doesn't want to play two quarterbacks I think he wants to keep both quarterbacks in the program. He doesn't want to play two quarterbacks. If you looked in, like if you're in the big room when he was talking, or you just like read the transcript, he said, "Do I think it can happen? Absolutely, it can happen." But somebody's got to be the starter. And he said, "Can it happen? Absolutely." Depending on how the guy who isn't the starter handles the whole situation. Like he kept putting all these asterisks and caveats on that. Um, can it happen? It can if that's what you're forced to do. I think that Hugh Freeze, you go back and look where he's been. He's like every other coach. I want to check this box, and I don't want to be teaching something. I just want to be coaching something. You can coach with a grown man who started 30-something games. There's a lot more teaching going on with Robbie Ashford, so I think it's as simple as that with him. Uh, Hugh Freeze has brought in a lot of transfers, obviously, uh, uh, into the program. Uh, Auburn set a record with 67,500 season tickets um, going into this season. So it seems like the fans are, are really excited. But uh, talk about the expectations for the program. What do you, where do you think that Auburn's going to do this season? Auburn's a great program, and there's no – like, there's a period, not a comma. They're a great program. And, all right, well, now let's go through the measuring sticks here. Uh, and I, facilities, fan base, money, blah, 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 blah. You all know what it looks like. And you can have a nice little run. Like, TCU's not a great program. TCU right. went to the national championship game last year. That's a vastly different statement. Um, what are the expectations? I don't know. I want it to look like there's a – SEC third-team receiver on the uh, on the roster. <laughs> okay, I want right. to see somebody who can win at the line of scrimmage. All right, I want to see some guy standing on the edge, going, "I'm here to take somebody's job as a freshman." All right, I'm here. I'm better than everybody else. And you know what I've seen? And this I talked about this a few weeks ago. Let's say you're you're 50 years old. Okay, basically we we understand what we're watching in a football game when we get to be about 10. Well, if you're 50 
When you were 10, you know who became head coach? Pat Dye. So basically for all of your existence, you're used to Auburn being a great program with like individual seasons where maybe it went sideways, but it's a great program. This is the first time your existence as an Auburn fan has been we're kind of average. Like you're living the life of an average football fan right now. And that is a new muscle for somebody. Imagine being half a century old, and this is the first time you're looking around going, we're just a regular old program. Like, you know, you and Virginia Tech fans are like, hold my beer. Um, there are some programs looking around right now going, it's not supposed to be like this. We're not supposed to be here. Uh, and that's Auburn. So what are my expectations? It's not eight wins in a bowl game. I almost hyperventilated when one of my friends who went to Auburn said that. I was like, eight wins in a bowl game? What are we, Georgia Tech? <laughs> um, more, more, you know, more. thump Bama. Right. You know, win the SEC. Get to the playoffs. Be national champions. Now, the national champions part is something that kind of unfolds in a particular scenario. Auburn might not have beaten Oregon. It still would have been the exact same Auburn team with a quarterback who scored 50 touchdowns and a good defense with a game wrecker in the middle. It still would have been the exact same team, except Michael Dyer was down instead of not. Um, in a national championship setting or in a playoff setting, something can kind of happen or not. But get back to that level where you're in it. Right. And they ain't. It's not even close. What Nick Marshall and Trey Mason are doing, that was 100 million years ago. So now with, the, with those expectations, again, I'm going to go back to Peyton Thorne. I think everybody assumes he's going to be the guy. Hugh Freeze has almost said as much. Now, with those expectations, do you think that he's the type of quarterback that can be the difference between a six-win season and maybe the seven and eight win, just strictly having a competent quarterback that can move the ball? Absolutely. Here's what it is, and there's a phrase I use. He speaks the language. Um, Peyton Thorne has played enough football at a Power 5 level, like the Power 5 level outside the SEC that you want. Uh, he shows up in day one. He's flipping through these like, I can do this, I can do this. Yeah, let's go practice. And he's out there ready to roll. Now, it's just a matter of execution. Right. With Robbie Ashford, and God bless him, that throw in the Iron Bowl, if he could throw that in a Xerox machine and hit copy, like 25, <laughs> give me 25 of those, um, he could have walked it downfield and handed it to him. wouldn't have been any better. There's a reason I remember that one pass. Because um, <laughs> that was the, yeah, if, if the you, one. But isn't that what you want it to be? I want it yeah. to get where it's just about execution. With Robbie Ashford, there's a whole lot about don't you lined up behind the guard. Um, there is about what happened to all our timeouts. There is, it's third and nine. I think I want to run a quick pitch. Um, there is too much of that. To, with, whereas Peyton Thorne, at least I can call every every chapter in the playbook is wide open with a guy who has played that much. There is just something about an experienced quarterback. Again, I can coach him. I don't have to teach him. Talking to Chuck Oliver today on Sports Call, host of the Chuck Oliver Show. Again, weekdays on 1230 WAUD Auburn. Chuck, you know, I think when we look at the SEC, this is the last year division. So this is the last year I can frame a, a question and, and take out half the league and just focus on a Western division. When you're looking at these teams around Auburn, the, the Ole Misses, Texas A&M's, Arkansas, the teams that are projected kind of around them or maybe just above, there's been a lot of volatility with some of them. I mean, Texas A&M a couple years ago, great season in the in the shortened COVID year. Last year, what was Jimbo's buyout? And then, you know, Ole Miss, for example, look, playing some of the best football in program history for a year and a half under Lane Kiffin. Then the Auburn rumors swirl, goes way down here, hill to end the season. What, what's your confidence level in programs like that to kind of – 
right the ship, or is a program is Auburn this year ready to already go ahead and take them on? Okay, there's some built-in, like just baked-in reality here that you just don't change. Now, I'm not saying it's because of this, but go back and look at the last time a program with a stadium less than like 70,000 seats won a national championship. Um, where's Ole Miss and Mississippi State? Like, I don't know. You're just not winning. You're not a national championship program. You're a program that, honestly, you're trying to keep up. You're not trying to get ahead. You're not really trying to win the SEC because deep, 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 deep down inside, you know, our stadium stadium sits 67,000 and we don't have the in-state recruits and we don't have the in-state commerce and we don't have the – you know all of that deep down inside, so you're not really trying to win a national championship. And now OU and Texas join. So it's never been easy. It's never been likely. Um, The Egg Bowl, I'm just picking a couple of programs as an example. Arkansas is supposed to be a little more than that, but they also just don't have that other in-state equal, like State and Ole Miss, for instance. So um, for those programs, they know they're not going to win a national championship deep inside, but they want to think that they're still swinging for one. Man, it's about to get even more of a Mount Everest for them. And when we look at the top of the league here, Chuck, again, Georgia two-time national champions. Uh, I think it was the 1930s I heard earlier in media days since the last time there's been yeah. a three-peat with Minnesota. Yeah. Uh, what is the the likelihood of Georgia doing that? I know that Alabama uh, is going to want to reload and try and figure out the way to get them back. We know LSU was the one that actually won the West last year. And so uh, we also know that Georgia's side of the, the schedule is going to work out more favorable this year. Uh, so how do you kind of power rank those, those teams? Well, it's Georgia and then probably Ohio State. Like, I mean, I'm going there. Uh, there's a phrase, you know that, that – that conversation we have ever so often about when there's like a 0 and 11 NFL team and there's like a 9 and 0 college team that's winning by 30 and they could beat the the San Francisco or Cleveland or whoever stinks that year. No they couldn't. They would still get beat <laughs> by four touchdowns. But here's what they are. They're the 33rd franchise. And Alabama's been the 33rd franchise for about the last 10 years of my life. Whether they won the title or not was irrelevant. They were the 33rd franchise. Brother, that's Georgia now. Everything they do there it is NFL all the way, including having future first-round picks. I mean, lined up waiting to get in the game. So Kirby has somehow cracked that code to get most of the kids. Tresman, Marshall leaves. Jermaine Johnson lets the kids leave. Um, most of those kids don't leave. In fact, Dominic Lovett's like, I'm at Missouri. I am King Daddy in Como. All right, I'm all SEC for the Missouri Tigers. He's like, nah, I think I just want to be in the mix in Athens. Who makes that decision? <laughs> he did. Kirby, I'll, I'll give him credit, man. He, uh, it is, there. like my team's Auburn. We're not doing the same thing right now. We're just, it's, it's a little much to talk about how do we catch Georgia. I was like, no, we're more about us right now. Georgia's, here's the ultimate measuring stick. Georgia's like the shortest list in college football. They're not really in a conference anymore. All of their games are the exact same thing to them, whether it's Oregon to start the season or Auburn. And see, it's not about winning a conference or anything for them. Ohio State's not in a conference anymore. There are very few teams, and Georgia's one of them. They're doing something else. Chuck, we'll start to wrap it up with this. Obviously, we know uh, the, the landscape of the SEC will be changing, as you just alluded to, with Oklahoma and Texas next year. 16-team league. 
still keeping eight games for 2024. Of course, there was a lot of hoopla in Destin last month about uh, the momentum beforehand had been going to nine, and then everyone arrived at the beach and said, all right, well, let's do eight for another year. Where are you on the debate there? How important is it for a team like Auburn to maintain uh, the second rivalry with Auburn-Georgia in that nine-team schedule if we were to go that route? It's not. It really isn't. I hate to say that, but it's not. Um LSU and Tulane played every year for like 50 years. And then in like, what was it, about 20 years ago, LSU was like, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. Everybody survived. Um, you look at Oklahoma, Nebraska. I mean, I'm old enough to know when day after Thanksgiving, weekend after Thanksgiving, brother, that's top three game, entire season. Yeah, they stopped playing like three decades ago. Game rolled on. I hate to say that, and I'm not trying to sound cold. Game will move on without – I mean, game moved on. Do you know the Georgia Tech-Auburn series? Uh, you know? That's the one I was right. going to mention. Game moved on, man. Um, you know, Florida is like, we have to play Florida State every year too. And I'm like, well, that's not what you told Miami in the mid-'80s when you played them literally every single right. year for 63 years. And then you're like, yeah, we're out. Like literally in a meeting it was like, oh, but I got some new business. How about we stop playing the Hurricanes? After six decades, yeah, okay. Like – We've done this so many times, but now we want to cherry-pick what we have to keep. Um, Sankey made the best point. He was like, yeah, we'll give you more games. Where's the, where's the money? And ESPN's like, not yet. And he's like, okay, no more inventory. So you, you can't give away anything that you can sell. That's bad business, especially if what you have to sell is SEC football inventory. And so literally there was not one more dollar coming, but we're going to give you eight more games than we're contracted to? Uh-uh. Bad business, bad precedent. That that did feel like one of the, the clear reasons. I know that publicly, you know, the, the playoff ah. portion part of it oh, got please. out there. Won, but. They won seven straight from whatever, you know, about a decade ago. We all know they're on a heater again, right? Five out of the last six. Right. And I was at Harris two weeks ago. You know, the literally the only reason I haven't bet Georgia to win the t- national championship is because the number stinks. Right. <laughs> like, literally, if there was any blue sky to yeah. bet in the Bulldogs, I'm like, here's my Franklin. And I looked up there, and I'm like, wait a minute. I give you my money in July. You keep it for six and a half months, and you pay me back 220 and that's if they win all their games. Like, little Vegas is yeah. saying, we that's don't want idea. you to bet this. Right. <laughs> we <laughs> do not want else. you to bet this. Bet somebody else. Uh, that, that's crazy. Well, Chuck, we really do appreciate the time today. Again, everyone in the Auburn area can listen to your show, the Chuck Oliver Show, 11 to 1 on uh, 1230 WAUD. But, Chuck, appreciate the time. Appreciate the invite, man. Anytime. A- absolutely. And uh, we're looking forward to college football being here soon. That is Chuck Oliver joining us today on Sports Talk. We're going to take our first time out of the 5 o'clock hour. We'll be back right after this. We need a timeout. Sports Call will be back after this quick break. Want more Sports Call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy with you here, coming to you live from Radio Row, SEC Media Days 2023 in Nashville, Tennessee. Again, appreciate Chuck Oliver 
uh, for joining us just a moment ago. Again, a slew of interviews that we've had uh, this afternoon. Coming up in just a few minutes, we'll play our final interview of the day. That's with Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network. We pre-recorded that one, so that one coming up in uh, just a few minutes. Again, Alyssa had some, uh, or excuse me, uh, Chuck had some uh, great things to say there. Always love listening to Chuck talk talk ball. And, uh, you know, interesting, you know, Chuck, I, I really am glad we asked him that question. We've heard a mi- mixed bag of of, uh, of, question, or of responses when we ask about the eight and nine game schedule. Yeah. And Chuck was kind of the most definitive there to talk about not really caring as much, uh, really not caring at all uh, if Auburn and Georgia goes by the wayside. Right. And uh, I, I don't know if I've heard that from too many people um, from Auburn. I know that. I know that that some people are already still or are still upset about uh, losing LSU just on the schedule for 24. We don't right. know if that'll be permanent, and then losing Florida from a decade or two ago. Uh, so it feels like it's just you could take either side of that. You could say, "Well, you lost everything else. What's another one?" Or you could also say, "Man, I'm putting my foot down now. Auburn's already lost some really good stuff." We're not losing any more here. It is a, a sign of the times. It is, uh, again, what is a kind of allowing. It's part of what needs to happen for college football to grow. But you guys have heard me plenty of times that I've been uh, more constant about maintaining Auburn and Georgia every year. But the good news about this, if you are, are saying it's okay, it's still going to happen every other year. It's not like we're going to what it's been the last decade plus, and all of a sudden you're not going to play in a home stadium for like 12 years, and and, and that's when I would I would even put my foot down harder. Uh, but but uh, interesting to hear those uh, those Chuck comments about about the Auburn and Georgia and about a, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, Chuck was was really you know last days not last days, but just not as you know just did not care as much about the about the rivalries. Ryan McGee, however, was like, we need to maintain the rivalry. So the difference in these opinions that we're hearing is is definitely appreciated. Um, and it really gives, you know, these two people that are so big in college football giving their um, their opinion, their insights on why they feel the way that they feel. Um, it's, it's very um, – I, I, I like the perspective on it. I'm one that, that likes to maintain the rivalries personally, um, especially Georgia – um, especially the Georgia um, rivalry, obviously Bama will always and forever stay. Um, I was not as happy about losing LSU. I felt like if we were going to do the permanent one, you know, the permanent um, rivalries, the, the LSU should have been one to stay. I feel like that one's been pretty pretty heavy and heated for the longest Um but, you know, yeah, it, it is what it is. But to hear Chuck Oliver talk about it and be like, ah, they don't matter as much. There's been this one and this one and this one that's given up their rivalry and, and college football's gone on, which is true. But I think you always want to maintain at least one or two, um, you know, rivalries that, that kind of stick around and have been played for years upon years upon years because I think that just is a part of what makes college football so entertaining and so interesting. Yeah, I think the rivalry part of it, too, you know, again, you know my thoughts on it, that I wanted as many as possible to remain, not just for Auburn, but for other schools kind of across the board. Because to me, you know, we have all these conversations. We have people like Steve ask us if it's becoming more like the NFL or it feels like the NFL. You know, like on one level, it'll never feel like the NFL to me because there will always be 
a university that's being representative. It's not going to be minor leagues. It's not going to be the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Falcons, etc. You know, it, it is always there's always going to be set apart in that way for me. But certainly, if you're analyzing the way the games function, you know, Ryan talked about the deal with the bye weeks, which is similar to the NFL. Steve brought up the timing aspect of it today. It feels like rivalries are another one of those things that are more. Uh, more common, more, I don't want to say unique, like they don't happen in the NFL, but certainly more more vital and more more visible uh, in the college game that really just about every team, even if it's on a smaller level, even Troy has rivals. Right. Even UAB yeah, has rivals. Absolutely. Georgia State and Georgia Southern don't care Everybody for each other. Like yeah. Even smaller schools have these rivals. That, to me, is one of the determining factors, one of the separating factors in collegiate sports from professional sports. And so that's why, uh, you know, I, I don't really care if it goes by the wayside. That's why I want to maintain as many of these as possible because it feels like that's one of the most clearest or clearest convincing ways I can tell people yet, yeah, like this thing is not the NFL. This is not becoming a professional sport at a time where obviously a lot of other signs uh, point to a more alignment there. So uh, that that's always been a interesting discussion. You know, we came into media days this week kind of still staying on the schedule topic. It's something that we've talked a lot about on the show. I was expecting to hear more uh, more coaches give a stance on it. Now, maybe they have in a different platform or that sort of thing, but in main media areas and main rooms, really from what I've seen put out there on socials, I've not seen as many uh, many coaches kind of put tie their name to a specific strategy, a specific schedule, uh, which I'm a little bummed about, but that's why I felt the need to ask just about every yeah, everyone yeah, we've interviewed no, at some point uh, about it. And, uh, again, I know that uh, we'll have a few more here lined up. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really kind of wish that we'd had – more coach, uh, more coaches get asked about it, but of course the dynamic of it in the main media room. Sometimes all the hands don't get uh, don't get called on and that sort of thing. So you never know uh, what everyone's going to end up uh, end up asking. We're going to take our next time out of the show now. When we come back, we're going to play that Alyssa Lang interview from earlier. Of course, Alyssa of the SEC Network. You'll hear what she has to say right after this time out. You're listening to the Wednesday edition of Sports Call on Tiger ninety five point nine. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. SEC Media Days 2023. Sports Call Auburn with you here on this Wednesday. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry now getting to chat with the SEC Network's Alyssa Lang. Alyssa, as always, we appreciate the time. We're here in Nashville for the first time. Media Day's been moving all around. How has it been so far for you? Oh my gosh, it's always such a fun week. And Nashville's such a fun city, too, that I feel like everybody's kind of a little extra juiced to be here this week. I mean, to finish your work and then be able to go walk up and down Broadway is a pretty, pretty fun week. 
week, and we were just saying everybody's always happy this week. Everybody <laughs> has a great team and is really excited yeah. about their new players. And uh, when coaches are not annoyed to see me coming towards them with a microphone, it's still a good time of year. So <laughs> I appreciate that part. Absolutely. And, of course, Auburn with a new head coach with Hugh Freeze, but not new to the SEC, of yeah. course. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Auburn's decision to hire Hugh Freeze and then also just what the momentum he's been trying to build with the season ticket sales and, and all that sort of thing this offseason? Yeah, I've been really impressed by Coach Freeze thus far. You know, it's interesting. Going back to last year, I was actually on the call for that Liberty-Arkansas game the week that that job at Auburn became open. And we knew that Hugh Freeze was a name that immediately started circulating in the conversation as far as who was going to replace Coach Harson. So we walk into that meeting that day not really knowing how open he was going to be with us about what was happening behind the scenes with that job. And I was blown away. You know, he shared so many things with us that, you know, we we didn't necessarily talk about on the game broadcast, just about how if there was a job that he was going to leave Liberty for, it was a very short list, but Auburn was one of those programs on that list. And he was so thought out in his decision making and what would have to happen and the boxes that would have to be checked in order for him to make that change and to make that jump and it wasn't so surprising a few weeks later when it ended up happening. He goes out and beats Arkansas that day also with that Liberty team which I think excited a lot of Auburn fans to see that he was able to take them on the road to Fayetteville and beat the Hogs but ever since you know I think he's, he's said the right things, he's done the right things, retaining Cadillac Williams within 30 seconds of taking the job I think was the number one thing he could have done Um, and that's what Luke Deal told me yesterday when we were talking about it how excited they were to keep Caddy there and just the energy that he brings to Auburn understanding the SEC I think is really important understanding what it is to be the head coach at Auburn is something that sounds so simple, but not a lot of people have that understanding. Hugh Freeze does. Yeah, I believe it was in the uh, the main media room he was talking about. And he's in, to be fair, he's said this before too, but Auburn being one of only six programs mm-hmm. in the last 13, 14 years to go to two title games, I think that's certainly something that piqued his interest. When we talk about the expectations of Auburn, we know ultimately they are to be uh, to compete on a championship level. But what should they be given that this is year one of a new head coach that – the team had two of its worst years consecutively in a long time. What's the proper way uh, in this this age of college football where rosters turn over? What do you think about the expectation timeline for a program like Auburn under Hugh Freeze? It's got to be a few years. It, it really does. And I have said and will continue to say the same thing about Billy Napier down at Florida. Florida fans are similar to Auburn fans, a little impatient, high expectations. They've been there before. They won it before. SEC championships, national titles. This takes time. When you're in the SEC and you're competing on the recruiting trail with the best of the best, it's going to take time. When you are completely changing a program to understand your expectations and your cultures, that's not a year, that's not even a two-year thing. That's not to say that I don't think Auburn is going to surprise some people this year. Auburn will be a team that gets slept on. Auburn will be a team that is overlooked by other teams in this conference. They're going to beat somebody that they're not supposed to beat this year. And I fully believe that because of how talented of a coach Hugh Freeze is and the staff that he's put together and how much confidence I have in them. I know there are some position groups that are still a little thin and still have things to be figured out, but that doesn't mean they can't go out there and win football games. The expectation should not be Atlanta this year. I don't know that the expectation could be Atlanta next year. 
But one thing I know about Hugh Freeze is that the number one word always that everyone comes back to is recruiting. And he's already shown us that he's capable of doing that again at Auburn. He's going to hit the portal hard. And when he gets one full calendar year under his belt, I think this time next year we're going to be having a very different conversation. All right, let's transition now. Let's talk a little bit of Beamer Ball. Okay. I know you're a South Carolina alum. Uh, with the program trending up, um, you know, last year you got wins over Tennessee and your rival Clemson. Um, where do you see the program grow, going um, in year two with Spencer Rattler under center? Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I think Vegas has South Carolina at five and a half wins this season, which I get it. The schedule's hard. There's a lot of key pieces not here anymore from last year. But I think five and a half is kind of disrespectful given what Shane Beamer's done the last few seasons, if I'm being honest. I think the biggest thing that I will be looking towards, and I really look forward to hearing Coach Beamer talk about it tomorrow, is their new offensive coordinator in Dow Loggins. Comes over from Arkansas, brings big tight end Trey Knox with him, which was great, having lost Jaheim Bell to the transfer portal last year. When the playbook was simplified for Spencer, that was when you saw Spencer beat Tennessee. And that's when you saw Spencer go out and carve up Clemson. The playbook had to be simplified. And the same could go for South Carolina's offensive line, which at times looked like they were running in five different directions half the year last year. If Dowell Loggins and Spencer Rattler have been able to sit down this offseason and really understand each other and Spencer's strengths and the strengths of this offense, I've heard nothing but incredible things about Coach Loggins. That will be where my eyes go the first few weeks as far as how comfortable does Spencer look out there running that offense. And then, Alyssa, in his opening, Commissioner Sankey he gave a small tribute to Mike Leach. Um, I know you had a unique relationship with him, uh, you know, asking him silly questions yeah. at the end of his interviews and everything. Um, how did you feel about that tribute? And then just talk about your relationship with Mike Leach. Yeah, you know, it was wonderful, but I was also sorry that he had to give it, right? I wish Coach Leach was here with us still at, right. at this edition of Media Days. It was obviously shocking and heartbreaking to lose him in the way that the college football world did. Uh, But I think about him still pretty often, actually. And, you know, I didn't have the closest relationship with him compared to other people. We saw each other a few Saturdays a year, and I think he knew that he could always expect some kind of fun, out-of-nowhere question from me. But you guys know, I mean, this is a business where you face a lot of criticism, and you get a lot of unwanted comments from people. And that can can let self-doubt creep in. And I experienced that a lot. And that's something that Coach Leach helps me remind myself of when I think about him and being unapologetically himself. He would never compromise for anyone. He's talking to Commissioner Sankey about not wanting to wear a necktie. I mean, whether it's you, it's me, it's the President of the United States, he's going to talk to you the exact same way. And whenever I start to think maybe, oh, maybe I'm not this or I'm not that, i got to be like that. I'm like, Coach Leach would have never done that. (laughs) Coach Leach would be Coach Leach until his last day, and he was. And I try to remember that and embody that in every way that I can, too. So he will be missed, um, but I know Mississippi State's going to go out there and and grind it out this season in his honor. We'll wrap things up with this, Alyssa, talking to Alyssa Lang of the SEC Network today here on Sports Call. And, and Alyssa, with all these changes in college football, and particularly in the SEC with the eight-game versus nine-game debate, Oklahoma and Texas coming in next year. Where do you stand on the eight versus nine games, and what do you think of the kind of the one-year test run of eight just as they try to figure out the new expa- expanded playoff and all those big subjects? Yeah, I like the one-year test. Just to, to your point with the expanded playoff, we don't want to put anybody in a situation where maybe they're hurting their playoff chances when it expands, right? So I think 
one thing that I, I really love about Com Commissioner Sankey and one of his biggest strengths is he's never going to rush into something. He's going to do things at his pace to make sure that they're making the best decision possible. As a college football fan, I want nine games, right? I want an extra game. I want to be able to go to an extra game uh, in SEC country. Is that the best decision for the student-athletes, for the coaches, for the landscape of college football? That remains to be seen. I know I'm just really excited to be able to go out to Texas and Oklahoma now in the coming years. And some of these rivalries that we've seen, even over the past few seasons, like when was Kentucky-Florida a rivalry prior to six years ago, right? Now that's one of the games that we have circled on the calendar when it comes to the SEC East. We're going to have more of those develop. Maybe a South Carolina-Oklahoma rivalry with Shane Beamer's, you know, resume have, having right. been out in OU. Um, so that's the one thing I'm really excited about, seeing which new teams and which new fan bases are going to hate each other a few years from now. <laughs> Absolutely. You never know. Well, Alyssa, we really appreciate the time today. Uh, we wish you well as we get through the uh, fall season, and we look forward to watching your coverage on the SEC Network. Thank you guys for having me. Alyssa Lang today on Sports Call. Have your attention, please. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is what? My name is what? My name is Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Cam Berry with you here on this Wednesday. About to wrap things up in just a few minutes. Appreciate Alyssa Lang for joining us of the ESPN SEC Network. Yeah, we, she's awesome. She uh, That was a great interview indeed. we got a few minutes left, so we can real quickly go back to the Auburn Bank phone line to start to wrap up the show. 334-887-341 locally, toll free, one tiger 9 Next up, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins us. Anthony, how are you doing today? Doing good. And you guys? Doing, doing well. Doing well, sir. I tell you, Miss Lane really put it out there. I mean, she talked like she was a, a pro or something. I mean, I thought she didn't play football for a minute. I mean, you know, the way she was uh, all detailed with everything and all in depth. I tell you, we're all looking to see how long it's going to take to get to Atlanta. Would it be three years? Would it be five or, or whatnot? We'll see. But it's going to be tough to get there when you look at uh, – Teams like uh, those Georgia Bulldogs, you got Curry Smart in his mid mid fifties, I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, they don't look in this size of slowing down. You got old man Saban that uh, looks to be in pretty physical good health and mental health, and he don't look to be slowing down. And, and then you go down to LSU, and uh, that coach don't uh, appear to be slowing down. That program is uh, starting to roar like it have roared in the past. So uh, I mean, that's gonna be pretty tough. I mean, you got those three teams. Uh, Bell cow, if you will, national championship winners, uh, you know, the cream of the crop uh, to try to uh, unseat to get there. So uh, we'll see. But I will say this. I believe when they go to that 12-team playoff, that Auburn will make the playoff. But whether they get to Atlanta or not, I don't know. But, hey, you know, as long as you can get in the playoffs, then you've got a chance to uh, do some things. But the expectations are always high. Everybody wants to see everybody, you know, everybody around here wants to see Auburn win, Auburn faithful and everything. But we're getting closer. When is the first day of practice, guys? Uh, I don't know the exact date. I think it's. I mean, it's always for obviously first uh, of August once they start to 
get back to school. I don't know if I know the the exact date off the top of my head. I was going to say one other thing too, Anthony. Herbie's even younger than uh, like than you age. said. He's uh, Kirby Smart's forty seven. Yeah, he's one year older than me. Oh, really? He's forty seven. Yeah, yep. he's still under fifty. Yep. Oh, okay. For some reason, I thought he was in his early early to mid fifties. Oh man, I misspoke there on that one. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, he's been a prominent name for a while, but uh, he started young. Yeah, I, I think he graduated from Georgia in nineteen ninety eight. Okay, okay. Um, you know, uh, I tell you, uh, you know, the practice is going to be open to the public or they're going to be closed. Uh, nobody has any idea what they might do, right? I don't think they've announced their, their plan. I, I will, I'm sure they'll have some media viewing windows. They always do that. But I don't know about uh, fan involvement or that sort of thing. Well, Most likely not. To, everybody itching to see. Don't they have a transfer quarterback coming in, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, yes. Pey- Peyton Thorne uh, has played the last couple of years at Michigan State. And so uh, okay. Aul- Auburn's kind of pinning their hopes that he might be uh, the difference in a win or two. Well, he very well could be. You know, like I told you all earlier, in earlier calls, I thought Auburn probably may be an 8-4 if everything can uh, roll in the right direction. Uh, what about the Hunter kid? Have he been re- reinstated yet or nobody knows? Yeah, nobody knows. Uh, Hugh Freeze was asked about that in the in the main media room yesterday, and he he basically gave a one sentence answer and said can't comment on uh, university policies and, and and stuff like that. So maybe not not a very reassuring uh, response. Oh man! So we had to wait and see what the university does. I don't do. Uh, I don't know what timeline it might be, but uh, I mean, as it getting closer closer to getting in those two a days and hitting somebody in the mouth and all that stuff and running gases, you definitely would like to have him out there practicing, but I guess that ain't that's not going to be possible since he's uh, suspended or whatnot. So uh, who's uh, next in line on that depth chart? Uh, so next up would be Damari Alston. He was a high, highly touted freshman last year, played a little bit. And then uh, Brian Batia, the uh, transfer from South Florida, who was a multi-purpose guy, returned kicks and punts, also was a running back for them. He would be the third guy, and Hugh Freeze was very complimentary of him and uh, uh, what they saw out of uh, spring practice from him. Well, we'll see what happens. But that'd be a big blow to the offense if you don't get him. But, uh, you know, I understand that uh, they got investigation going and, or whatnot, and you know, I guess they got to do what they got to do. Uh, sometimes uh, some people just don't fit your program, and you know, that, that's a big embarrassment. And to, uh, to something like that get out on you publicly, you know, and uh, I don't know, it may be best to probably just let it be through with him and let him get him a fresh start somewhere else. But if he does get a fresh start somewhere else, is he eligible to play immediately? He's gonna have to sit out a year. Uh, he would not be eligible to play uh, this close to the process, so he would. He'd have to wait till next year. And again, we to be fair, we we don't know. He might not end up missing any games. He might be ready to go in August and practice. It's just as of right now, we just we just have no update one way or the other. But well, a university that would be the president or some kind of board. They got some kind of board of four or five people sitting on it, whatnot, that would make decisions. Uh, is that sure. how it's set up? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the big boosters like Jimmy Rain or somebody that got a real voice over there that can call the shots. I'm sure he's talking to those people and tell them go ahead and do what you got to do. We got to have this bell cow of a player. If you're talking about uh, filling the stadiums and winning, got, excuse me, ball games or whatnot, uh, I'm assuming somebody's saying something. What do you think? I mean, it's it's certainly possible, but also, I mean, for the for the sake of the investigation, they gotta they gotta let the personal interest aside of it. Now, whether they actually do that in the end, you know, everyone can debate that. But again, they've got to investigate, see what what, what really happened first, and then they'll get into the judgments and uh, get into the, uh, that part of it. Well, let me ask you this: now, as far as we know, nothing criminal happened, right? Nobody was underage, nobody was raped, 
as far as we know. R- right. As far as we know, that that's not in play here. Just the filming of someone, though, without their permission, though, that, that, is, the, okay. that is the big issue here. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys, I'm going to let you all go and everything. I look forward to calling in, and we're going to uh, do what it do. Have a good one. Uh- Absolutely appreciate the phone call, Anthony. That is Anthony from Auburn joining us on the Auburn Bank phone line. We're down to just a minute or two left in the show now. Time for a nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. Tonight we'll start in Major League Baseball with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Atlanta Braves. That was a wild one last night. 16-13, to 13, D-backs won 6-20, Bally Sports South for that tonight. Also got a little soccer for you as Chelsea has come, I believe, to America to face uh, Wrexham as uh, Ryan Reynolds and... Uh, uh, Rob McElhaney's team will play Chelsea in a friendly 625 ESPN. The movie picks tonight, 6 o'clock on AMC. It's the original Jurassic Park. Life finds a way. 6 o'clock on Nickelodeon. It's Hotel Transylvania. That one's been frequently on the TV guide. Uh, and 7 p.m. on TNT, it is Battleship. And that is Sports Call's nightly TV guide presented by White Claw Hard Seltzer. That will do it for the show today. Again, appreciate everyone, including Brooke Childress and Brant Daughtry, who joined us earlier. Cam, thank you for being here. We'll see you again tomorrow. Yes, sir. See you tomorrow. And Mr. Tom Peavy, we thank you for being here. And unlike usually on the week, we'll see you here tomorrow on a Thursday. That's right. I will be here again. Last day. Uh, Should be fun. Go out with a bang. Absolutely. And, again, we want to thank all of our guests, including Bill Hancock, uh, Brandon Marcello, Ryan McGee, Chuck Oliver and Alyssa Lang for joining the program today. For Brant Daughtry, Brooks Childress, Cam Berry, Tom Peavy, and myself, Ryan LaVoy, have a great Wednesday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow.